Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name is Caleb, and I only gamble with my life, never my money. My name is Stephanie, and I never drink wine. (laughs) My name's Justin, and I'm still juicy. (laughs) (laughs) So is that. I'm not juicy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Caleb's is also a lie, so we're all liars here, so... (laughs) Yeah, I don't gamble with my life or my money. (laughs) Exactly. All right. This week, the spookiness continues, uh, what I'm calling October 2 Spooky Boogaloo, (laughs) uh, with Dracula and the Mummy. Specifically, Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 and The Mummy from 1999. Mm -hmm. Our initial point of comparison on this was just going to be 90s remakes of universal monster movies Mm -hmm. but there are more far more comparisons to be made between the two beyond that the the story actually Mm -hmm. um lines up fairly well too in in, in some aspects yeah tonally they are extremely different as we will get into very different one of them is a (laughs) coppola film the other is a Steven Sommers film. <laughs> Who we have covered extensively on Yes, here. <laughs> famous for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Van Helsing. Yes. And we love him for it. <laughs> we do. But yes, these do, they, they are both based on your classic Universal Monster movies. And um, th- there are plenty of similarities. One that I noted was that uh, technically they do both involve an ancient evil dude trying to be reunited with his lost love in the form of a modern woman. Yes. And there are other things too, but we'll wait to get into those. Yes. Um, This week... Old people are horny. (laughs) Love that for us. (laughs) This week we're going to be trying something slightly different. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Instead of going through the story beat by beat, we're going to attempt to give a brief summary up front And then the rest of it just be discussion. So we don't get bogged down in detailing the specifics of every beat. We've been doing it. We have been kind of going rather painstakingly through the plot, which, I I mean, there is merit to that because it enables us to talk about pretty much everything in the movie if we want to. But it also can get us a little mired down in the details that aren't quite as important. So we're going to try this new way out. Um, We, you know, we may not end up sticking with it. But um, we at least want to kind of structure it a little more so that um, we are talking about some bigger ideas and focusing on on certain aspects more than just going beat by beat through the plot. Yes. That being said, Stephanie, would you lead us beat by beat through the plot of Dracula? (laughs) Yes. Sorry, Bram Stoker's (laughs) Dracula? Yes. All right. Um, Excuse me. So... Yeah, so basically what we're going to do um, this episode is we're going to do like a little summary of the plot first, just to get all the basics out there for those of you who haven't seen it, um, and then get into our discussion questions. So um, as Caleb noted, this is Bram Stoker's Dracula, a 1992 film by Francis Ford Coppola. 
Um, of course, there have been a million Dracula films. This is, uh, I would compare it most closely to the 1930s uh, Bela Lugosi one. Um, and of course, this one has the conceit of being Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, so it's super accurate, uh, you know, but well. None of us can vouch for that because yeah, none of we us haven't have read, read the book. The book. <laughs> I have heard there's some pretty stark Hey, I'll have you know. I'll have you know, I have read half of that novel five times. Oh my god. Well, okay. <laughs> can anyone confirm for me? Uh, it varies. I, I've, I was told that the, um, the whole uh, reincarnated lover thing and like going after Mina because she reminds him of his dead wife thing is made up like for, for the movie. Uh, does anyone know? Can anyone confirm? Tell yes. us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, okay. Justin says yes. Yeah, I don't think that that's a thing in the book. Um, okay, anyway, so just to summarize the plot. Um, so it starts off in the little pre-show with um, Vlad the Impaler, I guess, <laughs> being a pretty successful crusader. Um, his wife, Elisabetta, unfortunately commits suicide after... Uh, the his enemies, the Turks, wrongfully report his death. I don't really know why they did that. I guess they just wanted to fuck with them a little bit, and apparently it worked. Psychological work? Yeah, I guess so. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, the priest guy is a dick, and as he's mourning, his dead wife is like, yeah, she can't get into heaven now. Sorry, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, because he's a real, a real cool guy. Um, so, in a rage, of course, uh, Vlad, is his name Vlad Dracula in this Vlad at the Dracula. beginning? Yeah, Vlad Dracula. Uh, yeah, he goes insane, uh, stabs the cross, blood comes out, which is apparently a thing, um, and basically he becomes a vampire. Awesome. How? I don't know. Hand wavy bullshit. That's just God decided he was going to be a, a vampire for being so rude. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't see that in the Old Testament too much. Um, okay, so and basically he vows to uh, dedicate his immortal life to avenging her, I guess, somehow. Which I don't really know how that works because we don't hear anything about him going after the Turks. Doesn't I'm, matter. We'll I'm withholding commentary. Yes, you're right, you're right. <laughs> we'll get into this later. Yeah, I... Eh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of years later, um, Jonathan Harker is a young lawyer who is sent to go meet with... Um, well, who turns out to be Count Dracula. Of course, no one knows that he is a vampire at this point. Um, when he goes there, the Count sees a picture that he has of his fiancée, Mina, and uh, she is the spitting image of Elisabetta, and so he becomes obsessed with her. Uh, ends up keeping Jonathan as a prisoner and sort of, I guess, feeding him to the, the brides of Dracula. Um, of course, Jonathan eventually escapes, but in the meantime... Um, there's Mina and her friend Lucy. Lucy is a lady about town or whatever. She, she has a bunch of guys that she's going after. But Mina is a good, pure girl, and she only loves Jonathan. Yada, yada. That stuff doesn't matter. Eventually, um, she keeps getting letters from Jonathan, who's been detained in the castle. Uh, he can't escape, but she doesn't know he's a prisoner. Oh God! What happens? Something, something. Random Dracula bullshit makes his with way Lucy. To London. Yeah, Dra Dracula goes to London, presumably with the intent of getting Finding to Mina, Mina, but also for some reason targets Lucy. Uh, he does all kinds of bullshit with her. Ends up biting her. She's slowly turning into a vampire. Van Helsing gets called. So they're trying to figure out how to save Lucy. In the meantime, Jonathan escapes. Uh, Mina goes to meet him. 
uh, in Transylvania. They get married. Did I miss anything really important? Mina goes on a couple dates with Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Dracula comes. Uh, they, you know, she hangs out with them a little bit. Uh, it's I don't know. They're they're vibing. Um, and but then she drops it to go marry Jonathan. Apparently. Uh, but of course he's still pursuing her. Eventually Lucy dies, but becomes undead, becomes a vampire. Um, they have to kill her. Again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> God, what else happens? Uh, there's shit with Renfield. It's not that important. He's no. just kind of there to add color commentary. Then Mina drinks Dracula's blood to become a vampire herself so she can be with him. And then what? They flee to Transylvania. <laughs> Yes. And there's the whole show down there. Right. Um, and then Jonathan and the Americans and his British friends all chase them back to the castle. And some unexplained... So, some bullshit. S- some bullshit happens in the castle, which is impossible to understand without reading an explanation. It, it's so weirdly edited. It all happens so fast. I, I, I yeah. literally... I've seen this movie several times, and I had to go check Wikipedia to make sure... I knew what was going on. The, I am actually going to read the last paragraph of the Wikipedia summary. That's a good idea, yeah. So, it, if you have seen this movie, you were probably also confused by this ending. And, okay. In the chapel where he renounced God, Dracula lies dying in an ancient demonic form. He and Mina share a kiss as the candles adorning the chapel light up and the cross repairs itself. Dracula reverts to his younger self and asks Mina to give him peace. Mina thrusts the knife through his heart, and as he dies, the mark on her forehead disappears as Dracula's curse is lifted. She decapitates him and gazes up at a fresco of Vlad and Elisabetta ascending to heaven together. Well, that part's not as confusing to me as the fight before it, where Dracula actually gets impaled. The purpose of the fight? You mean? Yeah, it's just edited weirdly. Stuff happens fast. I couldn't even remember who actually stuck the stake in Dracula. I, I literally could not remember uh, all that stuff. I didn't remember how Mina got there. Morris. Whoever Morris is. He the is he American? the American? I think I he is. Um, well, I'm glad my man's got to do that before he ate shit, but you know. Um... Both of these movies like to introduce <laughs> random Americans. That's true. That's they do both point. do that. I guess this was back <laughs> these stories were created back when like Americans were a mystical thing and they were Every single one of them was a cowboy. Yeah. Because <laughs> every American in these movies is a ca- literal cowboy. Yeah, right. Is, would you say that's a sufficient summary, Stephanie? Justin? Yes. Uh, Justin, anything really important we missed? Uh, yeah, basically the only thing you missed is about 30 minutes of people, like, uh, pawing at each other and breathing in each other's mouths. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> First up. From the opening sequence during the Crusades, what the fuck is up with that meat armor? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way I know Uh, how to describe uh, it. I I see what they were going for. Uh, I don't think it sticks the landing. Uh, This entire opening sequence... um, After watching uh, Army of Darkness, I was like, oh, that is just like this done seriously with the same budget. Yeah. Uh, all of the money went into the aesthetics later in the film, but this opening is like, I love it. It's cornball, uh, but oh, it's so, it's, <laughs> I, this opening, I don't even, it, 
everything about it is ridiculous to me from like the circumstances of her killing herself to like how he actually becomes a vampire from doing what he did. He stabs the cross, the cross bleeds, he fills a goblet with that blood and then he drinks it and that makes him a vampire? It's insane. I don't... Metal. Okay, what I need to know, before we actually get into our discussion questions, which we will do, what I need to know here desperately is did he know that would happen? How did he know? Like, is there a thing that it was known was, in Transylvania? He was just that... spitballing. Like, he stabbed the cross, and he's like, well, might as well. <laughs> I, but, but it's... He yeah, it's like... He knew he would become immortal. Like, can you just decide to become immortal? I... I just... <laughs> Only if you're evil. <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It's... I love this movie, but it makes me really angry. Also, um, before we go any further, we should probably briefly say our experience with this movie. <gasps> we were so entranced with the new, we forgot to ass- address the old. I know. <laughs> My experience with this movie is one time Stephanie had me watch it two years ago on Halloween when we were living in a house with no power. Uh, this was after Hurricane Michael. After Hurricane, um, holes in the roof, kitchen caved in. TV, uh, PlayStation powered by a generator. Yep. Yep. Good lamp, times. Lamp lit room. Oh, yeah. It, it really adds to the vibes. Ooh. You know? feel like you're in an old rundown castle. My parents have owned this movie for quite a long time, and I know it's a very long time because we borrowed their DVD copy, and it looks like a video game menu from a PC game from 1992 <laughs> and doesn't even have subtitles. Uh, yeah. Oh, very appropriate. Right. So much of the dialogue of this movie, I still don't know because I have never once been able to watch it with subtitles, and I so much so much of it is hard to hear. Um, e- yeah, even the DVD doesn't have them. It was driving me insane. Um, anyway, um, okay, so uh, I the, <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite movies. Like, it is definitely on my top one hundred movies list. I really like it. Um, it is, I don't know if I would accuse it of being good. Uh, it, (laughs) it's, um, what I really like about this movie is that it is balls to the wall. Like, that is how I would describe it. Um, it takes everything that is subtext in the original and makes it text. Uh, it is super unashamed of being a hot mess and being extremely unsettled. And I dig that. Um, <laughs> I really like it. I really like how hardcore it leans into the the gothicness of it all, uh, the tragic romance, the weird imagery. Um, yeah, I'm a really big fan. Um, I first watched this in college, I think. I actually saw it before I saw the the old Dracula, which I I also really like. Um, but yeah, I've seen it a few times since then. Um, I think it appeals to me a lot, but I can definitely see how other people might not like it because it's a lot. <laughs> um, Justin? Uh, so this is my second time seeing the movie. Uh, I first saw this movie as basically a child in the early 90s. Uh, didn't get it then. <laughs> um, I can only now, uh, I... Uh, I guess I'll say final thoughts for later, Uh, but um, I enjoyed what it had going on, but I can't say that I will watch this again. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, it... mm, I don't know. I feel like it's very much the kind of movie that... Well, 
that you either really like or you really don't like. I say that, but I feel like Caleb might be somewhere in the middle, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm in the middle. It, it's 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 out there. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Getting back into it, we're going to address our notes before we get to our discussion questions, which we actually wrote up beforehand. Um, Look at yeah. us. I know. By us, I mean you guys. Uh, <laughs> the title card looks like a, it's from a 90s video game. It's it's a little rough. Um, I love the music in that part, though. It's just so, like, hammering you in the face, like, with, ah! <laughs> it's crazy. I know it's been beaten to death, but piano's piano. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get there. Piano Reeves, his musical alter ego, his album's coming out next. Oh month. my god, he is sitting on a gold mine. I will I buy know, that day right? one. Please. I know it's been beaten to death, but Keanu Reeves' performance in this movie is so stilted. Oh, I actually have a discussion question where we're specifically going to talk about the cast later okay. because I have several takes okay. on this. Okay. This Ooh. movie is very fond of multiple layers on top of each other. Yes. Like two shots on yes. top of each other and crossfades. Both, both this mummy and the Dracula are super fond of like Star Wars file Star <laughs> this Wars mummy and style. The Dracula. This did I say that? You said this mummy and the Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, it was just Dracula and the mummy. This week on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. Both of these movies are very fond yes. of Star Wars style yes. wipe cuts. Yep. Like, they do from from um, right to left, left to right, corner to corner, bottom to top. Fading one image into another. Yep. So much. They're super fond Mm -hmm. of them. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing that is super unsubtle about this movie is Francis Ford Coppola like fading one image into another, usually to draw some mm-hmm. kind of comparison. It's like we get Francis, yep. like, yeah, yep. we see what you, yeah, we see it. Still riding that Godfather. I directed the Godfather. I'll do whatever yeah, I want. Uh, you know what? And so he should. I'll cheers, cheers to that. You know. <laughs> the the scenes with Hark- Jonathan Harker and Dracula in the castle. Jonathan is literally too stupid to be afraid. Like, Dracula is so sketchy and so creepy, and Jonathan's just kind of like, this dude's a little weird. (laughs) My dearest Mina, shit's a little strange around you. No, all his letters have that kind of vibe. It's like, I don't know, things are kind of weird, but I'm I'm cool. I'm going to stay around. Yeah, this Dracula guy's a little strange, but I don't know. I'm having a good time. Um, Gary Oldman performing opposite baby Keanu is a stark contrast. Yeah. Oh, I have opinions about, you know, uh, we're going to wait on it. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll get there later. Uh, I'm almost done with, with, with my notes. And then, okay, what is the purpose of the werewolf rape scene? guess we're just putting that out there there's um, a scene where after dracula arrives in london he turns into a werewolf and rapes lucy uh i don't and know Nina watches this is also something that i was going to address later several things here uh, one can he turn into a werewolf like a, a regular wolf i know also oh side note i'm glad that they included like one of my favorite lines from the original movie the 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 children of the night what <laughs> music they make <laughs> 
Love it. Love that <laughs> line. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like here he is, just he's so into Mina. He tr- he crossed the ocean to try and get with this woman that he believes is the reincarnation of his lost love from 400 years ago, and then turns into a werewolf and rapes her best friend. I was going to wait to bring this up until later again because it's a pretty important issue I have with the movie, which is that because they are trying to make it into this, like, reincarnated love story, like, that was his intention the whole time, I do not understand keeping all the Lucy stuff. Now, on the other hand, I... The Lucy stuff, minus the um, werewolf thing, I'm pretty sure is in the original book. Like, he does prey on her friend Lucy. Um, however, I don't think it works with the um, the he's seeking Mina because she looks like his lost wife thing. I feel like if we're supposed to believe that he's so in love with her, it doesn't work that he keeps three vampire bitches around. Though their relationship to him is never entirely clear. <laughs> I don't think they're even referred to as the brides in the movie. They're just kind of three vampire women that live there. That he feeds babies and also... They were there them. before Mina. That's yes, true. They predate yes. Mina. So I'll give right, him that. I'll give him that, but I, I will not give the movie the Lucy stuff. I, I don't think it is ever justified. No, no. Um, and I could see if he was just feeding on her just because he needs to eat. But all the other mm-hmm. stuff which we have brought up, I do not a understand. A man has needs. No, Stephanie. no. And I when d- you no. leave your three bitches back home, uh-huh. no. But that's the <laughs> thing. I feel like if the movie presented it that way, I would maybe understand it. But it doesn't. It hammers so hard on this whole. Oh, it's all about Mina. He just he needs her so much. He misses his wife. He has to have her back. It's like the whole thing about I've crossed oceans of time to find you. I don't think it works with with the Lucy stuff, and I don't think the film justifies it. No, I agree. It feels um, very contradictory. Right, and that is one of my bigger problems with the story. I feel like they should have gone all in on Dracula's just trying to collect bitches, or they should have <laughs> removed the Lucy stuff and really focused on the him and Mina thing. Anyway. Heaven is hard. Uh, yeah. It's Wednesday. It's new bitch I day. Know, honestly, that's how he is. I, d- I don't understand. It doesn't work for me. Um, and, of course, I'll get into the whole Madonna whore complex that is going on with oh, Lucy and Mina, yeah. which is really bad. Yes. Um... Just, uh, I, it's really, I don't like it. Um, I get that it's there in the source material. It absolutely is. But I feel like it's almost made worse here because the movie, like, goes mm. out of its way to be like, look mm. how slutty Lucy is. Doesn't she deserve wow. what happened to her? if she wasn't so slutty, she wouldn't have died. Yeah, exactly. Even though she doesn't at any point flirt with Dracula, you know what happens? He puts her under his spell and- Now, that's funny yeah. because in the original, I'm pretty sure she does flirt with him. They first That's meet true. him like she at the about... opera, and she's like, "Who is that guy?" I'm basing this on the 1930s <laughs> film where she actually does express interest in him. Yeah, uh, which honestly works better with what eventually ends up happening to her. Like it's still kind of weird and slut shamey, but in this one, she doesn't even know he exists. But it's still kind of metaphorically supposed to work. Like she was slutty, so you know she obviously fell into this trap. Right. Like she's laying in bed, and so people walk in, and suddenly she's like behaving as if she's in the middle of having passionate sex yeah and because she's under the spell that's like how she's supposed to act but then it's like wouldn't it be more striking if she wasn't like that before and then she became like that you know like that would show how Mm -hmm. strong the spell was 
Like, if Mina was doing well, that, for me, that it's like. Uh, for me, it's like you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't have Dracula be the stand-in for like, oh, this person seems so uh, sophisticated and suave, but you better be careful. You never know who they actually are. Yes. And the sympathetic love interest. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like... I, I think there was a way to do this with Dracula still being a shitty person, which he is, uh, but still making mm-hmm. the romance work. Like, because it do- it's not like they end up together in the end. I mean, he still dies, but he he is kind of metaphorically redeemed through having loved her in a, in a more pure way, I guess. But I don't feel like the movie mm-hmm. sells that ending, which it wants to have. In part, like, in right. large part because he messes around so much with this other woman. Like, oh, he's crossed oceans of time to find me, but he's going to get with my best friend. Like, <laughs> now that I think about it, the ending also <laughs> doesn't really make any sense to me. Because what did he do to earn that redemption? Not okay, shit. so he, he, he asked Mina to forgive her. Okay, what does Mina's forgiveness mean to God, the person whom he offended? It's... His crime was not against his wife yeah. or Mina, who is like essentially the reincarnation oh, of his that's wife. That's a good point. So when he says, "Forgive mm. me," like who? Wh- he has done nothing to earn redemption. He has <laughs> done nothing but be a monster and consume people's blood and put spells on them and mm-hmm. rape them and kill them. And then he crawls back and he's dying and he asks this woman who looks like his dead wife to forgive him and suddenly that means that he and his dead wife get to go to heaven yeah that it it would work better if like you said his crime had been against his wife as opposed to god you know like like because that way mina being the stand-in for elizabetta if she like forgave him and like enabled his passage to the afterlife that could be more of a symbolic thing like his wife giving that to him right like, all, the, all you have mm-hmm. to do is change it so that instead of his enemies tricking her into killing herself, like, the, I don't know, something about him, ac- his actions yeah. causing her death. Right, exactly. Because he couldn't do it directly. Yeah. It couldn't be him killing her. Yeah, that It would have to be work. something that he did, and through his hubris, she dies. Right, no, I agree. I think that would have made for a much better, like, it, the metaphor would work a lot better. You're right. It's I do like the kind of redemptive ending because I'm me, but I don't think that it works very well with the story. No, it's not earned. What What does he do? He no. he, he steals another man's wife, <laughs> uh, steals her away to a different country where he intends to live with her forever, and condemn her to this torturous life for eternity. And then like he gets stabbed, and, and I was like, oh. I regret the bad things yeah, I did you know, now that if, I've been stabbed. If he had killed himself instead of someone else doing it as like a, I'm going to end the curse that is me that is plaguing the world, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take myself out of the equation because I know I'm, you know, a terrible person and I'm going to free Mina from from myself. That would be pretty powerful, you know, like but but he doesn't. It's an accident that he's killed. Well, it's an accident on his part and Mina's part. Um it's basically just his enemies catch up with him and they they stake him through the heart and so he is dying so it's like he didn't have any agency in that and mina didn't either her only agency is in um you know kind of putting an end to him once and for all Uh, but Mm -hmm. at that point it's presented as an act of love but he didn't want to die before that he was going to keep on living with her so i yeah it's muddled i i don't think it really works 
I like it, but it's kind of one of those things that if you look too hard at it, you're like, ah. Right. I have absolutely no problem <laughs> with villain redemption arcs. This is just a very poorly done one. It comes out of nowhere. It's like he, he is he is blatantly the villain the entire movie. And then in the last scene, like we're supposed to feel sympathetic for him, towards him. But the movie just goes back and forth. The movie flip-flops on it so much. It's like, oh, he misses his dead wife, but oh, oh, he's the monster that's hunting London and we have to kill him and Van Helsing's actually the good guy. Yeah, like, he can be both, but there was a better way to to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we... <laughs> uh, let's, let's go ahead <laughs> well, and... I think this is a good discussion. No, it is, it is. It's, it's just kind of funny that we're like, okay, we're going to go with our discussion I questions. As I in. know. Okay, that's funny, um... Because actually, the first question I wanted to ask, uh, now that we've kind of gotten into this, is to sort of introduce our questions. Uh, I hang on, let me pull them up. I just wanted to do a little introductory, like three things you liked about this movie and three things you didn't like, and that could be anything. It could be big picture stuff, or it could be little, little tiny nitty gritty details. Okay. Um, if you can't think Stephanie, of three, that's fine. First. Yeah. Um. Okay, so, all right, one thing I like, um, I like how overwrought everything is, <laughs> which it could just as well be something that someone didn't like, but I like how aggressive the score mm-hmm. is and how in-your-face the, the visuals are, how dra- how um, dramatic the acting is, unless you're Keanu Reeves. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, just everything is balls-to-the-wall melodrama, and I really dig that. I think more movies should do that, frankly, because subtlety is overrated. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I like the brides. They're not in it very much, but I, I like them. I'm very fascinated by them. I like their outfits. I, I like how they also kind of abide by weird physics rules like Dracula. Um and I like when they bite Jonathan on the nipple. I think it's cool. Um, I'm a fan. And, uh, so, yeah, I like the. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. There's this, like, I don't know if she actually bites him on the nipple. I think she's, like, licking his nipple or something. It's just such a weird shot. And I'm like, oh, so someone. All right, Francis, I see you. Someone's in this. Um, Anyway, um, Stephanie is the fan of our most of our local monster fucker club. Uh, if you'd yes. like to find your local chapter, you can find uh, them online at. <laughs> brief aside, brief aside about that. I have the IMDb pulled up just so we can keep track of it if we get stuck on an actor's name or anything. Uh, the top three plot keywords on IMDb for this movie are one Dracula, two vampire, three monster sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay you know i love to see it that, gotta love, love it. to see that. you know i think that explains why i'm so into this movie how many how many movies that you can think of uh <laughs> that aren't just straight pornos ha- are pretty explicit about being like here's some monsters and they do be fucking humans like <laughs> i don't know this movie provides definitive answers to the question of does dracula fuck Oh, come on. Like, anyone ever. I don't think that was ever a question. I don't know. Some of the depictions of the brides, I'm like, are they just there? What is their purpose? Does he. Because some of them. That's not really answered in this movie. I don't know. Some of the depictions of Dracula have him being, like, so distant from the brides. Like, okay, in Van Helsing. In Van Helsing, it's very clear because they have babies, they like millions of eggs. Um, But some of. Their purpose is never really clear. 
Well, because you know? they're always an afterthought to him. He's always going after human women, and but so, for some reason keeps other bitches around, like just because he can. Like I'm I don't sure know. Sure, the Nazi doesn't feel like putting in the effort of getting a human woman. I'd, yeah, I'd, but it, I saw someone suggest that like like it maybe since it's not always specified that they have a sexual relationship, you could also interpret them as being like his daughters, like in cases where they don't have that kind of relationship, mm-hmm. which I thought would be an interesting take because technically in this one, for all this, for all the sex and, and horniness that happens in this movie, Dracula and the brides don't seem to have, well, okay. It, it's not so much that they don't seem to have that relationship. It's that you never see that relationship really confirmed in any way. So it's kind of unclear what their relationship to him is. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I don't know. Uh, they could just be thralls like Renfield, but like, they're actually vampire I, I don't know I don't really know how the mythology works to be honest um hang I on will. sorry I forgot what I was that's okay I have a couple things I'd like to address but first I'm gonna give my uh do's and don'ts oh no Stephanie has to give her don'ts first that's true do's and don't likes oh right I said I like how overwrought it is I like the brides oh um yeah, I, I like that it's just monster fucking. I'm I'm a fan of that. I'm I like that it is explicitly out there. Like, um, yeah, the uh, the the brides. Um, it's not technically confirmed that they have sex with Jonathan, but they they do some stuff. Vin Helsing says something about your his, infidelities, your infidelity. <laughs> the women, and they both and look Mina, uncomfortable. And Mina is just totally like, it's okay. I know Mina okay, is Jonathan. like, it's fine, baby. And Jonathan's just sitting there like. Uh. See, the reason Mina doesn't care is because she's been seeing Dracula that's on the true. side while he's been gone. See, the only they both been stepping that's how out. That's it works. If if you had confessed to cheating and your significant other is like, that's okay, baby. Everyone makes mistakes. It's because they've also been cheating. <laughs> hey, but I'm kind of into that. I would love to see a sequel where Jonathan and Mina have to sit down and have an awkward conversation about how they're both banging vampires on the side and how do we make this work. I don't know. That could be kind of fun for me. Um, <laughs> I would like to see that. Stephanie, what are your three negatives? Uh, okay. <laughs> three things you didn't like. Uh, three negatives. Um, I've already addressed a couple of them. Like, I, I don't. I don't buy the time-traveling romance in the context in which it is presented. I think it could have worked if they took out some of the other dumb bullshit, but they don't. So I think it is contradictory. And while I like the concept, I don't like the execution. Um, I'll save that one till the end. Okay. Um, I I don't like I don't like the the slut shaming stuff with Lucy. That I hesitate to come down too hard on because it is there in the original text. And I don't know how easy it would be to change that. However, I, I would love, just like I would love to read a standalone book about the brides, I would love to read one about Lucy and, like, her perspective um, and maybe her her experience of becoming a vampire. And maybe in this version she doesn't get killed, but I don't know. Anyway, um, and um, the third thing. <laughs> Which I I was planning to get into later when we talked about the casting, so I'll keep it brief here, is that um, I do not care for Gary Oldman as Dracula. To the, like, I cannot find him sexy to the extent that it actively harms the movie for me, because so much of the movie (laughs) is based on Dracula being sexy, and, like, I agree with that. That's how it should be. But he looks like someone's weird uncle. I cannot. I. 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 
I cannot buy it. And that is coming from someone who has famously been into some weird-looking dudes. Like, But uh, Gary Oldman, uh, I don't know. It's the receding hairline. It's the weird mustache. It's the lack of eyebrows. His hairline. I, I can't do it. His hairline. Oh, his my gosh. His forehead is so big. That hairline like, so is in line with, with, with his sideburns. It's, <laughs> or or the, 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 his ears. It's insane. I know. I can't. I <laughs> it, it actively harms the, what should be some pretty uh, steamy scenes for me because when I look at him, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, cannot, I cannot see a sexy person. I'm sorry, Gary. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I cannot. It's not there for me. It, no. Okay. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you guys go ahead. All right. Things I like. Uh, I like Gary Oldman's uh, fashionable outfit when okay, he arrives in London. The, the sunglasses I are like cool. I like the tiny sunglasses. It's very Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. wonderful. <laughs> yep. Apparently, those are not anachronistic. Uh, rich people did wear sunglasses back in the Victorian era. Hmm. Um, nice. I really like Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing. And... I don't know why Tom Waits was Renfield, but... He does a good job. <laughs> I, he, yeah, he does a good job. Um, moving on to things I don't like. What was the thought I just had? Hmm. Um, oh, the rules are inconsistent. So, in one of the scenes with Dracula and Jonathan, Jonathan is wearing a cross that was given to him by one of the locals. And Dracula comments on it and says something about our, our traditions here are much different, blah, blah, blah. Our ways and are not... Our ways are not... Ways. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> and But it seems to scare him. And then when he first meets the brides, what, they scream at it and it turns it, into it blood? It just melts. It just or, melts yeah, into blood. Like and mm-hmm. then later on, Van Helsing holds up the cross to Dracula and it catches on fire and melts. So, like... Clearly, it does something, but not enough to do anything more than inconvenience them. Yeah. Why even bother with having it be a thing if just every time it comes up, it doesn't even stop them? They just have to get angry enough to overpower it like it's freaking <laughs> yeah. Dragon Ball Z. If you get angry enough, you can kill God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Hmm, I don't know. The rules are inconsistent. Yeah, that'll um, be a running another theme thing. with some of Inconsistent our... rules? Yes. An- inconsistent rules, getting angry to power up. And uh, people with crazy, crazy hairlines having redemption arcs. Hey. This movie is <laughs> Dragon Ball. Hey, those rules are fairly consistent. Oh my god. Are they? Look, look just because they got rid of the Zenkai boost doesn't mean... <laughs> mm. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of inconsistencies, um, the forms that Dracula can take are just anything the movie cert needs. Um, yeah, one basically. thing I didn't like was when he turns into a fog at the very end of the movie, but it's like radioactive green. It's not even just like an eerie fog comes over the scene and you're, you're like, right. he's here. It's yeah. no, he's just bright. He is Slimer green uh, yeah. smoke pouring through the windows. Like, mm, that seems pretty sketchy. <laughs> no, yes, I, Justin, I loved it. I loved it, but keep in mind last episode how much I was saying I love Army of Darkness. <laughs> keep that in mind. No, I agree. I think that would have been cooler if it was just like a regular fog. So there's that kind of element of doubt. Like, yes. is it Dracula? Or just is it make just it the a super world? thick fog. Yeah. When as soon as you add color so to it, so I really can't. 
Uh, I really can't remember if that is um, something in the book or not, because I've played a lot of Castlevania, and that's something Dracula and Alucard well, can do him, in those games. Well, him turning into a is fog is fog, a bats, wolf. Yes, it's yeah. just making it so conspicuous um, kind of detracts. I yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I wouldn't do it that way either. Um, okay, so... Justin. Yeah. Did you like anything about the movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 a lot to love here. I just don't think it comes together all that swimmingly. <laughs> um, the the uh, Stephanie touched on it. Just the absolute dedication, almost to a fault, to the aesthetics in this movie is delicious. <laughs> yeah. I love it. He was about that aesthetic <laughs> for sure. Um. I also love the cinematography in this movie. Uh, There are some beautiful, beautiful shots. A lot of them are references to the original film and Nosferatu. Um, And there's probably some throwbacks to the Hammer Dracula movies in there as well. Um, But just, I I mean, it's Francis Ford Coppola. It's like, it's it's a well-made movie from a technical standpoint. Um, And I like the cast a lot. Do I think all of them brought their best performances? No, but just seeing all these actors together, um, the best way I can describe it is if I was to see uh, that this was a play being put on with these performers in it, I would see it five Which times. Which it's <laughs> funny you should say that, because the original Dracula film with Bela Lugosi was an adaptation of a stage play. I have actually read the play, uh, the, the play version of Dracula, Um. I don't remember everything that happens in it, but as I understand, it's fairly closely based on the book. Um, it's pretty great. It's especially hilarious to imagine a, a like Edwardian audience watching all the steamy <laughs> stuff on stage. Um, I I would actually love to be in the play. I am really hoping I get to one of these days, despite the fact that there there aren't a whole lot of female parts. But we'll figure some, mm, something out. Yeah, or if someone two. wants to cast me as a gender bent Dracula, that's fine too. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do like the play, and I would I would love to see it on stage because I feel like there would be some great opportunities for some cool lighting and uh, effects, things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Anyways. Uh, Justin. Justin, yeah, you were going through your stuff. Oh, yeah, th- those are my three likes. My three dislikes um, are, one, the pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this movie's about 20, maybe even 30 minutes too yeah. long, um, which I-, I I love that it takes its time doing things, uh, but there are some things it did that it just didn't yeah. need to do. <laughs> Honestly, Renfield could have been completely taken out you know of this movie right. and it wouldn't have changed he's anything. I was thinking about that too. Yeah, like that. I feel like he's entirely there just because he's there in the original, which, to be fair, in the 1930s version, he's also pretty useless. Like, there's no reason for him to be there either. Yeah. Uh, so I think the character is just useless. I think he's the point of him being there is to illustrate the kind of spell that Dracula can put on people and what he, how he can manipulate and like. Uh, enthrall people but I don't think that that character is needed for that I feel like that could have been illustrated through Lucy and Mina frankly um, yeah yeah the <laughs> there's a lot of movie has time for uh, this <laughs> uh, the other thing and I, I guess I'm going to keep it to two because these are really my just my biggest gripes with the movie other than very small nitpicky things uh, the second was uh, motivations uh, I felt like the only character who had a strong want was Dracula, and that is 
also very murky, as we touched on, but, like, if he wants this and this is his goal, then why is he doing all this other shit? Um, I agree. So, I don't know. It just... A lot of good, good parts. It is a very beautiful puzzle. It's just the pieces don't quite fit together. <laughs> I agree. I don't feel like anyone has a very strong motivation um, in this movie except for Dracula and maybe Van Helsing. And then his motivation is just overcome Dracula. Yeah. Kill the monster. So, like, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you're right. It, it is hard to get a strong sense of need slash want for these characters, yeah. which can be a problem. Yeah. Um, I did have one more extraneous thought that I wanted to say. Um, Van Helsing's first appearance uh, feels like a very overt homage to the arrival of the priest in The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, because there's that shot where he's, um, he's standing He gets outside. out of the carriage and he's standing in the gaslit lamplight. That was kind of interesting. You're right. That, um, that did feel like an homage to The Exorcist yeah. for some reason. Um, I didn't even put that together, but you're right. Um, and Caleb hasn't even seen The Exorcist. No. <laughs> the J- Jonathan, when he's in Dracula's castle, seems pretty nonplussed the entire time. Literally up to the point where Dracula feeds the brides a baby. Like, no, they're no, he walk- starts screaming. Maybe things are not good here. walking on walls. Dracula's acting really weird and threatening. These random women are coming out of mattresses, like literally rising out of mattresses and seducing him. And he's totally fine with everything until Dracula feeds them an actual human baby. Right. He was being so calm about it up until then. And then he just starts screaming. Um, and then one other thought. Stephanie hasn't brought this up, but I think it was a point that she made. Mm. The reason <laughs> we have the So Dracula has that stupid boob hair. For the first half of the movie, he looks like Mom from Futurama, um, and which there's another character in next week's episode that looks like Mom from Futurama with the same oh, boob hair. Um, you're right. And Stephanie said that the reason he looks like that is because they had to make him look dumb and ugly so that his scenes with Jonathan weren't so gay. I'm standing by that. Like, I'm like sorry. The, there's literally a scene where he I'm shaves sorry. Jonathan. Yeah, okay? he like cradles his head and like scrapes the razor along like, his. It's throat. supposed to be threatening. But if he looked like Gary Oldman in, like, his Johnny Depp get-up, it would be super would homoerotic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's And that is my big theory. because And the, the only reason I say that is because in the 1930s version, uh, virgin, version the most definitive one, um, Dracula looks the same throughout. He always looks like Bela Lugosi, a.k.a. an attractive guy yeah. who is a, a little weird-looking maybe. But, you know... Um, but he never has this like super like decrepit old man form that Dracula has, <laughs> which is why I have my theory that um, that they they had to make him look like that so that when he is lovingly stroking Keanu Reeves' face and neck, <laughs> it, it wouldn't look too too sexy. Um, <laughs> but which is f- that's true because Keanu uh, Jonathan's the only character who sees him yep. like that, right? Yeah, you're right. Oh. Damn, because yeah. he feeds on the crew <laughs> of the ship that takes him back to London, and so they make him look young again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and I, like, uh. I don't necessarily have a problem with him looking old and decrepit in his old and decrepit castle, but the fact that that's changed from the original coupled with, like, <laughs> the, the way he is around Jonathan kind of makes me feel like <laughs> they were trying to, to skirt that a little bit, which is sad, honestly, because... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, vampires have often been kind of a, a thinly coated metaphor for queerness. Um, 
because you know deviancy right for deviance and the thing about a vampire is you know their feeding of blood is kind of the sexual metaphor right but they will feed on anyone's Mm -hmm. blood male female it doesn't matter so they are kind of inherently queer in that way uh because they're their semi-sexual action is all-encompassing, you know? Yeah. They, they are just going for it. Like, they're just horny for anyone, so... Yeah. Um, and I think <laughs> even in the, the original, the 1930s one, like, because Bela Lugosi is in his, um, his attractive form, you know, those scenes with Jonathan do read a little, like, eh, what's going on here, a little bit. Um, and I think <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility that they were trying to swerve on that one. Yeah. <laughs> this. this is pre haze code. We could do whatever we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have another thought. Gotta love a pansexual yeah, vampire. I do, I do. The, the scene when Dracula is on the boat to London, mm. there are multiple shots of him like transforming into a werewolf and mauling slash killing the sailors of the ship super edited I, of course, I super edited yes. uh, images superimposed on each other um i think this was too much too much show and, uh, uh, and too yeah, much tell i, and I think and yeah. so in the original largely due to probably the lack of budget and lack of special effects um, there's, you know, shots of a ship in a storm and then a newspaper headline about, uh, a ghost ship arriving in port with, with nobody on board. The crew mysteriously disappeared. Mm-hmm. I think that works a lot better than yeah. just being like, Dracula's a werewolf! And then just showing him killing a bunch of dudes. <laughs> I agree. I think yeah, uh, it's, it just goes to show you how unsettled this movie it is. Uh, that, yep. What were you saying, Justin? Sorry. Um, it, a, a thing this movie does in its action sequences is that um, when Dracula is a werewolf or a bat or uh, what have you, it does that thing where it's from that first person perspective and it shows who he's chasing and everything, which, you know, is fun and cool in something campy and silly like Evil Dead in this very serious film. It's yeah, so out of place. it is a little <laughs> funny looking. Um, yeah, I think that it would have been better if it had just been like the ghost ship arrives and there's yep. that kind of sense of mystery preserved. I think we should have held off on the reveal a little bit longer. Yeah. I think this movie gives away too much too soon. I, I agree. I agree. It's it's very much not really a mystery. Um, no. Whereas like the original was a little bit more of one um, because it shows its hand very early. Um, okay. So with that said. Oh yeah we've got more questions. All right, we have yeah we have discussion questions. Oh god. <laughs> um um <laughs> Okay, so uh, as I promised we would return to later, another discussion question I had was, uh, and I quote, let's talk about that casting. Um, <laughs> this movie is known for having a, a fairly famous cast, at least in the, the, the big leads. Um, but I don't know how I feel about some of it. Um, I, but I've also kind of said, like, like Gary Oldman, I just, I, I, mm, it's not even that I think he does a bad job with this character. It's not so much that. It's just that I don't think he fits the character at all. Like, for instance, if you cast Anthony Hopkins as Frodo in Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I, listening. <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> 
It's not to say that he would do a bad job in the role. I'm sure he would act his heart out. But when you looked at the screen, you would be kind of like, huh, I don't know if this old ass man should be Frodo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, that's kind of how I feel about Gary Oldman as Dracula. It's not so much that I think he does a bad job because, you know, he's, he's acting for sure. It's that when I look at him, I cannot see Dracula. Like, I can't, not even kind of. Like, and I think that part of that is intentional because I think they are kind of trying to distance themselves from the, the Bela Lugosi, uh, count, uh, the count in the, the, uh, in Sesame street, like that kind of <laughs> pointy eyebrows, widow's peak, like black hair. I get that they're trying they, to They legitimately, like you could see where they shaved his widow's peak. Yeah. Cause in they some so scenes. much did not want him to have uh-huh. a straight, ha- nobody has a straight hairline, right? It's either curved or has the widow's peak. No. His hairline is literally a straight line from one side to the other. <laughs> No, I agree. I, I like him a lot uh, when he's in his creepy old monster man form in the castle, but the minute he leaves it, uh, gets a little wonky. The for parts me. <laughs> where he is getting the Mac on with Renona with Winona Ryder, I just can't. I he looks so ridiculous to me. Like I said, he looks like he looks like your uncle who like I don't know has a band that plays at the bar sometimes. <laughs> like I don't. I just I cannot. I I cannot see him as sexy. And the thing about that is like I get that people have their different preferences, but. So much of the character relies on him being sexually appealing that if he's not, it that is uh, that kind of hurts the movie. Um, similarly, I this might be a little more controversial, but I don't really like Winona Ryder as Mina. Um, now I like Winona Ryder because I'm an alt girl and I like a lot of her movies. It's yeah, of course I'm gonna be. Of course I like Winona Ryder as an actress, um, but I do not like this casting i think that she the thing about winona Ryder in this role is i kind of have a similar problem with her that i do to like daisy ridley and emma watson in that they to me always kind of scream i am acting right now (laughs) and that is how (laughs) winona Ryder feels in this role like i never completely believe it and I'm I'm trying not to sound like an asshole because I do like her as an actress I just think this role was not really suited to her um I I don't know how many like really serious roles like this she's done like I haven't seen The Crucible um I'm sure she's fine in that I haven't I haven't seen it yet though uh I don't know I just kind of and of course there's Keanu Reeves who (laughs) while he is probably the worst uh, he is doing the worst acting out of the main cast. Ironically, it doesn't bother me as much because the role is such a nothing role. I feel like mm-hmm. whoever was acting this role would have had to be doing some Oscar-worthy shit to make this role not dull because <laughs> the role of Jonathan is just dull. It, it's like that in every version. He's basically just there to be in love with Mina and to be I guess menaced by Dracula that there is not much going on with him. Yeah. 
And uh, the only one that I really like out of the the really famous people is Anthony Hopkins. I think he's great. I, I like he's what he... He's great as Van Helsing. Yeah, I like how he brings kind of a, a little bit of a, like, kookiness to the yeah, role. Yeah, a little bit of kooky madness. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> a, little, a little silly and a little, like, sassy, which I, I oh, like. Oh, what was the... What is it? I'm going to attempt to find one of his lines. Okay. Keep talking. I'm gonna go search the script. Um, I also like Richard E. Grant. Uh, he is one of the smaller roles, Doctor Seward. Um, and uh, Carrie Elwes is not doing a whole lot, but the role doesn't require a whole lot, and he fits the no, role just fine. No, I like Carrie Elwes. He doesn't have much to do here. Right. In everything. He's good in the role as like a stodgy <laughs> like aristocrat who doesn't really know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's fine in that. And whoever the American guy is, like they're all mm-hmm. doing fine in the roles that they have. And of course, Tom Waits as Renfield is just super unhinged and in a good way. I don't think the role has any reason for being there, but I like what he does with it. That's totally just uh, Coppola being a uh, Tom yeah. Waits fan and being like, "Hey, you want to be in this movie?" He, he does a good, he does a good <laughs> job. Um, he really works those Dutch yeah. angles. Um, <laughs> um Um, no that that's what i was saying uh in my in my likes about the movie is is the cast like seeing all of these actors on screen uh, especially considering when this movie came out uh is awesome it is it is fantastic but i don't think any of them except maybe anthony hopkins really knocks it out of the park here not saying that they were phoning it in it was just like everyone was like okay this is this is what we're doing all right let's go yeah i don't like (laughs) even with gary oldman like i think he does a good job compared to some of the other actors but even he is not giving me quite enough to be able to look past like just the weirdness of that casting um and i especially i god forgive me i i do not think he and winona Ryder have enough chemistry to justify this like because their scenes mm-hmm. need some actors with some serious chemistry like because they're you know they're on a bed they're getting physical she's she's drinking blood from his chest you need some serious stuff going on between those those actors and i don't quite buy it i just no i, I think I, part of it's the age difference yeah so, which there's nothing wrong with that because he is old as fuck and she's like a young ingenue but they look weird uh, together and i don't feel yeah. like i quite it doesn't quite mesh for me so so forgive me for being a little <laughs> immature here, but it's because this image has haunted me. The scene where he cuts his chest on the bed, it's right under his nipple again. I don't know what it is with this movie and male nipples. <laughs> I'm telling you, Francis Ford Coppola just, like, has a thing. The fact that the lighting, the lighting is highlighting Gary Oldman's tiny little nipple here so much, and it's just burnt into my brain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm changing my I'm changing my letterbox name from Ray's left boob to Gary Oldman's left nipple. <laughs> my, my, my kid's hamsters have bigger nips. <laughs> there, I snuck in our community reference for the oh evening. Um, no. No. Meanwhile, I've been browsing the script and I found my favorite Van Helsing line. Oh yes, yes. It's it's after after Lucy dies, and Van Helsing is talking to Jack. Um. And he says, I want you to bring me before nightfall a set of post-mortem knives. Jack says, to autopsy Lucy? <laughs> and Van Helsing says, no, no, not exactly. I just want to cut off her head and take out her heart. 
Right, and he's so, Jack, like, Jack walks away, different. he stomps away without saying anything, and Van Helsing's left there like, was it something I said? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, Love it. It's fantastic Love delivery it. from, from yes. Anthony Hopkins. Right, and that's, that's why I think Anthony Hopkins is the best one out of the cast, because he is just, like... He is aware of the he character's zaniness. knows what movie yes, he is in. Yes, exactly. He is like Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin. He is the only person who knows what movie he's in. Right, and he is just, he is, he is, <laughs> his delivery is always a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but not in a way that's distracting. It's in a way that you can believe for the character. Yes. Like, he always is kind of like, yeah, I know I'm a kooky old man who's, like, going on about vampires and stuff, like, and he really, he really brings it. Um, and honestly, I do wish there were more scenes with just him and Dracula, like there are in the older yes, version. there should have been at least one. But also, yeah. I'm trying to imagine this version of Anthony Hopkins <laughs> with this version, sorry, this version of Van Helsing with this version of Dracula, I'm, and they feel like they're in different movies. I'm betting he could be serious for a scene. <laughs> no, I'm more saying that I don't know if Gary Oldman could could be up to it like with this version of dracula that he's playing i would have at least i, I would have at least liked them to have tried yes no i agree this this movie sorely <laughs> needed that because that was some of the best stuff in the old one right if, if, if you have if you have two people who are being positioned as mortal enemies and they never even have a tense conversation yeah in the middle of a parlor where they can't <laughs> attack each other I, so what on. I will say, yes, you, what Justin, you say it yours first. Uh, I was gonna say you have to have you have to have your hero and your villain talk about what the movie's ideology is. Yes, before yes, the big yes. Fight. No, I completely agree, especially with a movie like this. Okay, kind of in that note, here's what I was going to say. I think the the problem is that this movie is not about. Uh, Dracula versus Van Helsing as much as it, as it is or as it is trying to be Dracula and Mina um, and I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that as a concept because I think that that is a really good material to work with but I don't think the movie quite gets there you know what I mean like it doesn't quite sell me on this movie is just about the two of them and their weird relationship like so much other bullshit is going on and and there's all the problems we've talked about that I feel like it would have been better if they had done more of the Dracula versus Van Helsing thing just because they aren't really selling Dracula and Mina as well as I think they should be. Um, so, you know. Right. And there was room for both, frankly. So, I, yeah, I do wish there had been more of that. So, before we wrap up our final thoughts about this movie, I did want to ask um, uh, what your your favorite version of Dracula is. Do you like Lugosi? Do you like Oldman? Uh, personally, I'm I'm very fond of Christopher Lee and uh, the version of Dracula in Castlevania. I had his voice actor name uh, written down. Uh, Graham McTavish. I think Graham McTavish does an excellent, excellent Dracula in the Castlevania I have anime. never seen Christopher Lee's Dracula. I really want to. Um, I'm a big fan of Bela Lugosi. Um, I also really, really like um, uh, Dracula and Van Helsing because I don't remember the actor's name at this moment, but he was having a great time. He was actually really good. Oh, yeah. Just. I almost forgot about him because it's technically (laughs) not a Dracula movie, but Dracula is the main antagonist. So. yeah, I actually I really liked him, and I really like Bela Lugosi. 
I have not seen <laughs> I have not seen any Dracula movies that came out in between the 1930s Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we're talking about. So I can't really speak to those. I'm sure Christopher Lee is great because I could definitely see him as Dracula. Um, and hear him as Dracula. I'm just imagining Christopher Lee saying, <laughs> I never drink wine. Those movies are where where a lot of the tropes for Dracula got solidified, like the eyes going red, the fangs slowly mm. coming out, okay. like that, that what whole thing. What are those, thing. the Hammer it, films? Um, they've, they've definitely, yeah, yeah, they've definitely aged, um... But I, I still have a soft spot for him, which I've only seen the first one. There's like nine of them. What? I've only seen Horror of Dracula. I like any Dracula that isn't <laughs> Gary Oldman. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I, it's, he is playing a character, but I just don't believe it's Dracula. <laughs> My boy Gary's getting a, little, I'm getting a rough sorry. tonight. I can't. I cannot oh. see it. <laughs> Tough crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see it. But I highly, I highly recommend. Again, I mentioned uh, Graham McTavish. Uh, if you want a very quick, like twenty-three minute uh, Dracula being upset because his human love uh, died a terrible death, um, watch the pilot episode of uh, Castlevania on Netflix. It is dope yeah. and beautiful. I haven't quite bit the bullet. Uh, it might not be no. Caleb approved. I don't think it would. I've, I've heard it's very for boring. blood and yeah. disemboweling. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I can't watch everything. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Um, but but yeah. Um, so, uh, quick final thoughts about this one. We will return to it in our joint discussion of this and the mummy uh, near the end of the episode. But do we have any concluding thoughts here? I feel like I've said most everything that I thought and or wanted to say. I've been pretty conclusive. Yeah, I feel like I've mostly shit on this movie, but it's out of love. <laughs> um, I, I I really do <laughs> like it. I like that it is unapologetic about being what it is. That, yes. to me, is great in a movie. Yep. Like, I kind of hate the modern trend of movies to be like, we're a little embarrassed of being genre, but here right. you go. It's, like, it's when you lean into yeah. it unapologetically, right? Yes. I'm tired of winking at it, you yeah. know? Like Marvel, the, yeah, the, we've the, done the, that. the humor we've done in Marvel that. movies is just sometimes like the whole whole the superhero stuff. I'm like, shut up! Don't yeah. be ashamed of what you are. I would like I I already said that I uh, I enjoy a lot about this movie, but I don't think uh, I'm gonna return to it. Um, that's mainly because of pacing and uh, my problems with well, just how it comes yeah. together in general. But uh, I would much rather have movies like this that uh, commit what 100% to aesthetics and you're on the fucking God's ride sake. when exactly. you're watching it than just have everything feel kind of yes. samey uh, like qu they do now. tangent here. I infinitely enjoy a movie that commits to what it is trying to do over a movie that's not really trying to do anything. Right, Example, right. Uh, Stephanie and I both exactly. recently watched The Love Witch. A movie that is ostensibly fairly boring, <laughs> but I enjoyed it because it dedicated itself wholeheartedly to trying to recreate that 1960s or 70s B-horror movie aesthetic. Yes. Right? It just went all mm -hmm. in on that thing. Right, it's committing. It, it committed so hard that I enjoyed it despite the fact that it's, you know, well, the fairly slow. So many movies now are trying to please everyone and trying to, like, do all the, like, 
gently stroking your nostalgia boner. Yeah. Um, like, it, they, they, they don't commit to stuff, and they don't say, hey, here's what this is going to be, take it or leave it. Like, and of course, I'm talking about really mainstream stuff. Obviously, there are, like, indie things that uh, and s- smaller budget things that do that, but they also don't get as much, mm-hmm. you know, as much publicity, unfortunately. Um, I'm mostly talking about your fairly mainstream blockbuster fair. Uh, just, um, yeah, feels very much like it's just trying to be everything for everyone and trying to placate audiences, and I'm not about that. No, I-, I much prefer a movie that is trying very hard to do its own thing. Yes, whether or not it succeeds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll return to some of those ideas in a little bit. Uh, but we will be back after the break with The Mummy in 1999. Hi, everyone. Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them at separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. We're back from the break, and this time we're talking about The Mummy from 1999, directed by Stephen Sommers. Our man. One of my favorite favorite directors like just i i love his movies they're so much fun yes even when they're critically panned and bomb at the box office he likes to hit those they are they are fantastic just this man makes movies like that's all i can say they're just they're movies for movies sake uh to make an analogy these movies are like a good cheese stick when you're drunk yeah you're right. It's delicious, terrible for you. You might choke on it, yes. but you're going to have a good time. <laughs> and I, I think this is the best of his work that I have seen. You know, he, I think he got a lot of jobs in the 2000s because of the success of The Mummy. Um, but this one, I think, blows the others out of the water. Yeah, no, it's definitely I, the, mm-hmm. the best one. Um, this time we're going to switch it around a little. We're still playing with the format and trying to figure this new format out. So we're going to open with our discussion questions and then address our notes. Yes. Um, okay, right. yeah. So. Well, before we do that, we yeah. need to address our experiences, experiences with the movie. Yeah. Um, gosh, when was the first time we saw this movie? When was the first time I saw this movie? That's a different question. I yeah. think it was like high school no not even high school probably like early college and i'm gonna be honest the first time i saw it i did not think much of it i was like this is kind of dumb and long and i don't really care (laughs) anyway upon subsequent (laughs) rewatches i started to really like it uh that doesn't happen to me very often but uh in this one it actually kind of did the more i rewatched it the more i was like yeah this is this is kind of fun. This is kind of cute. Yeah. I kind of like this. Oh, I really like this. Like, <laughs> it just kind of was a process. Yeah. I've just, I've kind of been, oh, I've been aware of this movie pretty much my entire life. Um, like, I know I've seen it before, but rewatching it over the last couple of years, I've grown to really appreciate it more and more. Like, it's, I just think it's solid. I like it. It's a good, enjoyable movie. Um, I don't know if I, I, 
I never really appreciated it before, but I, I don't think I ever had any opinion of it other than, like, it was an action movie, and Brendan Fraser was in it, and he's been... I've always loved Brendan Fraser, because when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was George of the Jungle. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. There's one we'll have to talk about at some point. Jesus. Oh, I am... <laughs> believe me, I am uh, looking for a pairing uh, for George of the Jungle. God. <laughs> Justin? <laughs> Let's just do, let's do Georgia the Jungle and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as things Caleb and I really want to no, talk about but can't no, find okay. pairings for. See, I was, gonna th- I was thinking Georgia the Jungle and Encino Man, because they're both about, like, man out of time, you know, gets brought to the big city. They both just happen to be Brendan Fraser. Uh, I don't know about this. Let's do Georgia the Jungle and Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I think Encino Man would be better with Captain America because he was frozen. Oh, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, blowing true. past that, uh, I I saw this movie. I saw this movie in theaters uh, in its original run um, as a little. Uh, as a little boy. I was a seven-year-old boy. I was a little Aww. seven-year-old boy. Nine, eight-year-old boy. Lad. Eight-year-old boy. Um, <laughs> And, uh, of course, loved it. Uh, had the PS2 game uh, that came out with... I can't remember who came out for this one or the sequel. Uh, WB was running a uh, an animated series a little bit after this what? came out. I, I have a deep, deep history with this franchise uh, that kind of died out as I got older. Justin! Uh, <laughs> I'm s- but uh, just I love this movie. Since memory. Do you remember... A cartoon about mummies. Because I had a racing car toy that was like a foot long that was covered in uh, hieroglyphics. And you're not talking, not talking about, about this the one. mummy. There was something related. You're talking about mummies alive. Okay. I believe you. What's that? I'm going to do that and that'll be the end of this conversation. But uh, Mummies Alive, American animated series. Oh. oh. Stephanie is. I don't know any. Look, man, Justin was right. Justin, it's mummies alive. Mummies alive. I, I don't know much, but I know my (laughs) '90s animated series. I still have a toy from this series. It's just this like drag racer looking. Ninety-four percent liked this show, according to Google. (laughs) It ran for it. It ran for three months. From September 1997 to November 1997. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a hidden gem. I don't know why I remember we'll that vividly. But here. anyway. Uh, uh, so I watched this movie a lot, like, um, as a kid. Uh, and then I don't think I've seen it since I was 16 really? until I rewatched it for this. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a nice... Uh, trip back down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, b- before I get into my copious notes and thoughts and gushings over this movie, Stephanie, um, would you kindly deliver us one of our discussion questions? Um, sure. Uh, do what about our summarizing? Do you want to? Oh yes, it is my job to summarize <laughs> this movie. Sorry, folks, we're still kind of getting All used to right. the new format. Bear yeah, with us here. that's okay cracking my knuckles they don't uh-huh. make enough sound so we'll have someone throw that in in post uh-huh. all right the mummy this okay so this shares a surprising amount in common with dracula but with a less sympathetic villain 
Yeah. Our opening scene. I'm going to att- I'm going to keep the editorial to a minimum because I have I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about doing the editorial and I'll try to address those later. Okay. Opening scene. Ancient Egypt. Uh, there is a priest who is is having an affair with the pharaoh's concubine. Um, she is killed. He has the power to bring her back to life, but he is cursed and mummified alive. Um, he will be a, he will be undead for all eternity. <sighs> Cut to after he is buried and mummified. Uh, well, the pharaoh finds out, so that's what the, he he he, t- he commands that happens. Cut to the future, and we're in we're post world just post World War II. Um, I think we're in the ni- the late 1920s, maybe like 1929. Um, there's some random battle going on between uh, the... It doesn't matter. There's a random battle going on. Um, Brendan Fraser is there. He finds out that he realizes there is some sort of mystical presence there, wanders off into the desert. In the future, uh, just post-World War One. Uh, in the late 1920s, we meet Evie, who is a librarian and Egyptologist, along with her brother. Uh, she and her brother find a map to the lost city of Hamanoptra. Uh, they free Brendan Fraser's character from prison because he was the one who had the map. Um, they free him from prison so he can escort them to Hamanoptra. Uh, where in Hamanoptra, they encounter a rival group looking for the city, they, the, uh, a group of Americans and... Um, a former co-patriot of Brendan Fraser's character. Um, they discover the Book of the Dead and awaken Imhotep, the mummy. He needs to recover his full power and also wishes to reunite with his lost love, Anaxuna Moon, who he believes is Evie. And our heroes need to stop him before he regains his full power and takes over the world. Yes. Um... <laughs> No, no spoilers, but, uh, you know. <laughs> no spoilers for a story that's been around since the 1930s. Yeah. At least. Well, more or less this <laughs> story, which we'll talk about. It, they, it it only bears resemblance to the original in the, the barest of bones, but, but yes. I When I finally watched the original Universal Mummy from the 1930s, I was surprised by how many plot points were the same. It just has a lot less action. Yes. Uh, the uh, the mummy uh, with uh, it's Boris Karloff yes. in the mummy, right? I believe so. Um, I actually that is uh, as someone who loves the Universal monster movies, uh, that is like the one that I'm missing because <laughs> yeah, I have yet it. to watch Boris Karloff's. Uh, mummy. Yeah, it's pretty slow. I honestly don't remember that much of it. There were some pretty cool effects. Um. With the, like, oh, God, I don't even remember. There's, like, a temple or, like... There's a temple at the very, very end. It's, like, the last scene. Yeah. Most of it takes place in, like, a mansion. And it's just lots of the mummy looking like a normal dude talking. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's definitely not the best of the Universal Mummy movies. Like, there's some... (laughs) Wait, Universal Monster (laughs) movies, but... It's the same acronym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, the UMM. Uh, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> they uh, it's it kind of has that similar premise of like, 
I don't know. Some old the mummy dude. Love. Yeah, he's trying to resurrect yeah. his has Across lost oceans of time. Right. And his name, he gives his name as Ardeth Bay, which is the name of oh. the Magi guy. Like, it's not the same guy, but... I'm glad you remembered that, because the yeah. last time I watched the original Mummy was a year ago. And Stephanie's right. When the uh, Imhotep in the original Mummy, he is in the modern day, he gives his name as Ardeth Bay. Yeah. And in this Mummy, uh, Ardeth Bay is the leader of the Magi the secret group who watch over the mummy's tomb and make sure that he is not reawakened. Yeah, so it's like an homage, I guess. Because uh, it's not the same character, but it's the same. That movie. is the kind of throwbacks. That is an r slash movie details <laughs> worthy, worthy post right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, there... It is kind of similar. It, it's funny how many of these old monster movies relied on this formula. There's the uh, the monster, and the monster's defining trait is that they are horny, and that they are trying to prey on a nice virginal white girl, and all the nice white men have to keep that from happening. You don't know Evie's past. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the older ones. I'm talking about this formula that a lot of them use. And Creature right. from the Black Lagoon kind of does this, too. Um, um, one has to imagine that there were some very real uh, male fears being enacted in these <laughs> types of movies that, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's very present in uh, Dracula, the, the original book. It's very much about the fear of the foreign uh, basically, which is funny because Dracula's white. He he's not even you know like from some other continent. He's yeah, just from a different part of Europe. European. <laughs> no, I mean, but Bram Stoker was European. He's from a different <laughs> part of Europe. You see, and that's the scary Ugh. part. He's from the Ugh. bad part of Europe. A different part of I know. Europe. Um, well, it's very much that Western, Northern European fear of, of Southern and Eastern Europeans. See, it just goes to show you they'll be xenophobic toward even even people from the same continent as them. Um, Shoot, much like I'm Americans. xenophobic towards people from the same county as me. Uh, shut up. Yes, but so uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of these movies have that same kind of premise. Uh, so it's interesting to see how it evolves, sort of, because both of these movies do kind of take that premise, but they do very different things with it and treat it in very different ways. Yeah. Um, this one feels a little more like it's a more clear cut, like the mummy is the bad guy. Right. It's much less sympathetic towards. Right. Honestly, to, because a, he to is, a weird extent. Almost. Because it's it's oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're having sex out of wedlock. They're, he, is, <laughs> he is stealing the Pharaoh's woman. I know. He the, is the bad guy. He he is the well, other man. But the, see, that's the weird thing about it is I don't feel like the movie was trying to tell us le- that it was wrong for him to sleep with Anak on, on, on Moon. Um, Which it's it's said differently. In the movie and by multiple characters, it's pronounced Anak Moon. But in the director's commentary, they just refer to her as Ankh. Yeah, Ankh Moon. I, the pronunciation I is in in not consistent. Yes. And interrupting Stephanie to fix about that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, well, it's weird the way <laughs> the movie is framed, and this is—it's uh, not a huge problem I have with the movie, but it is a little odd to me—is that it's not framed as if he was wrong to do this, and it's not framed as if he was wrong to try and resurrect her. Like the movie is sympathetic to them in the opening scene, but it is never again sympathetic to them. Like I think you're right. It's it's like. 
it's not that the movie treats it like that was a bad thing or tries to like slut shame her or say that he shouldn't yeah. have stolen the pharaoh's girl it's like they're saying like they were lovers like mm-hmm. it's sad that they couldn't be together and the pharaoh was kind of a dick to try to like keep this concubine to himself that kind yeah. of thing but then and after then he that, was cursed forever and he's a bad guy and we should hate him right after that the movie just loses all sympathy for him despite the horrible way that he was treated and like how sad the story is yeah it's like odd the, the, to me the prologue little. is very romeo and juliet and then the rest of the movie it's like we can't let this bad guy get with his girlfriend i know <laughs> it's it's very odd oh, well you gotta, you gotta realize, uh, you gotta realize the scope of this movie. Uh, uh, 1999 America wasn't uh, ready for a sympathetic villain with but, true motivations in its but, but popcorn <laughs> movie. It had that, like, that and I'm seven not saying that it was well executed, but well, it was very much there. But you gotta think, uh, Dracula wasn't exactly like a, let's take the family, buy coke and yes, popcorn and yes, watch I, a movie. That, think... That's what this is. The mummy was much, or Dracula was much the, more of a, uh, the, buckle the up, it's gonna get weird. sympathetic <laughs> to him, but that's not the ultimate purpose of the prologue. The purpose of the prologue is to explain how he became cursed, which the original mummy didn't do, I guess. I just think it would have been more streamlined and less, like, it would have made the th- the the story less muddled if they had had him be evil from the beginning and just been open with that like okay he was an evil dude maybe instead of he and Suna Moon being lovers maybe he maybe she didn't love him and he was obsessed with her and he tried to like claim her for his own and uh he was punished for that but this whole time he's been like vowing to like come back and like you know make her be his that kind of thing just to make him like just to be like, yeah, this is not a sympathetic character. This guy is a dick and we need to defeat him. But it's introduced in such a way that it makes it feel like if this was his story, he would be the tragic hero. But instead, it's just kind of like, it makes you be sympathetic toward him and then demands that you not be sympathetic. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a little bit of a problem (laughs) for me. Like, I wanted him and whatever her name is to be together. Moon. Yeah, I would have liked for that to be resolved in a nice way. I, I Like, we weren't supposed to care about it, and then they just both kind of die permanently, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess, sure. Anyway, enough about that. Like, if it would have been... If it would have been explored more, again, like, uh, I, I'm saying this as if we're writing the movie without it being like hey let's make a bunch of money and make a nice yeah, popcorn of course, of course. film for the family uh uh it would have been interesting if uh imhotep was sympathetic and uh the only way he could get his love back was by uh sacrificing eb which is like the setup for the conflict yeah. uh the well not the entire conflict no but, yeah that that already sounds more interesting uh, and so like it, it was. It would be the struggle of like you feel bad for him, but like this innocent person has to die. So Brendan Fraser's hero character right, is definitely right. in the right. That would have been much more interesting, but less yeah, no, fun. I, I agree. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it could have been so fun. I think we should move into our first official yes. discussion question. Yeah, we probably should do that. Okay. Um, Well, okay, so for the first one, I was just going to do the same thing that we did uh, with Dracula, which is say three things that you liked about it, three things that you didn't like. All right. If you can think of that many. (laughs) Uh, I like Brendan Fraser. Fraser, I'm sorry. Is it? Fraser. Oh, that's harder to say. I know. I'm a big fan of Rachel Weisz. 
Um, and I don't know. It's fun. I think it's is <laughs> movie good. Movie, movie is far better than it has any right to be. <laughs> yes. Movie is far more enjoyable than it has any right to be. Um, dislikes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The mummy is kind of eh, whatever as a villain. Um, the C- Oh, this was a point I was thinking of. Hmm. The CG. <laughs> Late 90s CGI did not age very well. Yeah. This is a point I'm going to bring up in next week's episode also. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> practical effects almost always age well. Early CGI does not. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> that's... Is that anymore? I don't know. That's... I don't... I don't have too many negative thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about this film. Mm. Not many of them are explicitly negative. That's about all I've got. Yeah. Um, well, Justin. Okay. Uh, so, uh, my likes are, uh, just, just how much fun this movie has with itself. Um, it's it doesn't ever 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 take itself too seriously and when it does it leans into the uh silliness of the situation like for narrative reasons it'll get like a tiny bit serious but it's still just like yes. okay come on we did, you know yes. the movie you're watching uh <laughs> um again i can't say enough good things about uh brendan fraser uh <laughs> Uh, love him. Uh, his character in this movie is kind of like an Errol Flynn, a la Harrison <laughs> Ford kind of kind of deal. Interesting way of putting it. Uh, very, a lot of Indiana Jones vibes, but also that classic monster movie slash adventure movie, uh, yeah. charming hero uh, kind of deal. Sorry, Justin, uh, I gotta push back on that a little bit. Uh, I don't I think like... there are any charming heroes in the classic monster <laughs> movies. I think all the heroes are boring as fuck, and I think <laughs> Brendan Fraser way outshines them. <laughs> the, uh, that is entirely based on perception, not yeah. fact. Yeah. My my statement, anyway. Like, I, I agree with you, but... <laughs> Back Indiana in the day, Jones, that I definitely was the vibe. see Errol Flynn. I see, but uh, yeah, the 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 white dude heroes in these old monster movies, God, just just the blandest fucking. <laughs> oh my God, white bread. No. J- Justin? No, I I a hundred percent agree with you. Thoughts, <laughs> Sorry, yes, go on. Um. Uh, uh I I love the big dumb skeleton fights. I love a big uh, dumb skeleton fight. So the, the final battle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the final battle was fun. Uh. My negatives, again, like, is this anywhere near a, like, perfect movie? Am I saying this is essential watching for anyone? No, but you're going to have a good time. Uh, So, I don't, like Caleb, I don't really have anything explicitly negative to say. I just think, like, know what you're getting into, and you're going to have a good time. Um, I said I wasn't going to say this on mic, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, My third (laughs) Army of Darkness Evil Dead reference, I still have it on the brain from last episode... Uh, a lot of this movie feels like very normcore uh, Army of Darkness. Uh, I hope at least someone in our audience is with me there and knows what I mean by that, because I can't fully explain it, but when you know, you know. You can maybe see it. <laughs> but before we get to Stephanie, I just want to say, this movie, this movie has a ton of Looney Tunes bullshit, 
<laughs> but it doesn't bother me. Uh huh. I love it. None of it. None of it bothers well, me. Well, it fits the tone of the movie. <laughs> it it, I it feel doesn't like feel out of place. This movie balances its tone very well. Right. Like when it does the horror scenes, it takes them fairly seriously. But like it, there. Okay. We were watching the director's commentary before recording this episode, and they were very conscious of balancing the tone. Like, they wanted to have some scares, but they knew it had to be PG-13. And, you know, they removed a lot of some of the, apparently, some of the funniest bits from the movie because they were funny at the wrong points because they wanted to maintain the horror in some scenes. I just, like I said, this so much Looney Tunes bullshit. Like, when when the wind will blow and make the fire flicker and Brendan Fraser says... That happens a lot around here. <laughs> and even there were at least three or four points in this movie where something would happen and I would say the line because, you know, it's a stereotype. Like, I'm expecting something to happen. And Brendan Fraser would say exactly what I just said, <laughs> but it didn't bother me. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I... <laughs> um, uh, before we get into uh, before we get into Stephanie's, the one big, big uh, issue I have that I that I glossed over, and it's the same issue I had with uh, Dracula, is this movie has no business <laughs> yeah, being as long as it is. It's long. It's two hours and four minutes, baby. This would have been a perfect 90-minute yeah. movie. Mm. <laughs> it's the type of film that is meant for that runtime. I and it agree, just, like, but I'm not going to complain it. because um, I love so Brandon Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Yes. Um, I... Uh, most of most of my good points and and not good points have already been touched upon but uh three things i like um i i really like uh evie i really like rachel weiss's character Mm. uh feels feels honestly pretty refreshing for for a 90s heroine um she like she kind of is exists at a nice balance between uh I don't know, kind of like helpless and badass and between smart and kind of doofy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I like how... She's very well balanced. Right. I like how she feels like a real character instead of just being like one of those things. Like, you know, she's not constantly Mm -hmm. screaming and needing to be saved, but she's not also not like, I'm a tough girl and I don't need any man. And uh, similar to... Well, she... uh... Um, oh, I'm she, sorry. Finish she what also you're like isn't like while she's kind of a fish out of water a little bit. It the movie never feels like malicious about it. Like God, I think of what's her face in yeah. Temple of Doom, like that kind of character. Uh, Evie could have easily been that. Yes, exactly. She could have easily been that kind of character, and that movie infuriates me more every time I watch it. Which is very sad because I love Indiana Jones, but God, I hate that movie. Um, anyway, um. It's, yeah, she could have easily been that kind of character where she's like, oh, like, I'm so prissy and I, I don't want sand touching me or something. And like, yeah, she, she, she could easily be like so many other, uh, damsels in distress. Like, she, but she, she, yeah. like Stephanie said, she's competent, but doofy at the same time. Right. That's what's so um, great about it is that she, like, she, she is kind of embarrassing sometimes, but in a way that the movie feels but, sympathetic right, to but her. She, she's never a screaming uh, damsel in distress. Right. She never, she's never like yelling no. at the protagonist, like, save me, damn it. You yeah. incompetent <laughs> son of a bitch. No. 
so that's what uh, that's what I was gonna say is um, she never really loses uh, agency no, right, at right. all, um, which I'm here for. And even when she falls into the it's damsel in distress role, that was a yes, decision yeah, she exactly. made you know, right. to I'm save gonna, the heroes. Like it, it, I'm gonna it go is... ahead and address one of my points here. Um, I okay, I wrote I love Evie. Uh, somehow this movie gets major fem- feminist points. She has so much agency. Also, um, solid script, constantly reigning in the dumb masculine, Brendan Fraser's character, <laughs> with the intelligent feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is simultaneously the intelligent feminine and also a little bit doofy at the same time. But, like, she's never the annoying b- damsel in distress. There's right. she If, okay, uh... She could have easily been the Princess Leia to Brendan Fraser's Han Solo, but she isn't. There's mm-hmm. there's a scene where she's talking about the Book of Amun-Ra. No, it's made of solid gold. And Brendan Fraser says, yeah, I know it's made of solid gold, blah, blah, blah. And she, she smiles and she goes, you know your history. And he goes, lady, I know my treasure. And it doesn't phase her. She's still smiling. And then she just transitions into the rest of the conversation, but as if she, like she's not convinced, she knows he's a little bit of a nerd. If she had been more Princess Leia, she would have been like, "Oh, that's just like you men," but she's not. Yeah. Right, she... and it's it's and it doesn't feel like she's like just acquiescing to the bullshit of the men around her. It more feels like she's one step ahead of them. She's yeah. like, "Yeah, sure, say whatever you want. Like I know what's really going on." Just completely yeah, exactly. nonplussed exactly. doing what she has to do. Oh, the, the scene where she's drunk. I love that scene. The, <laughs> great scene. They're, they're drinking whiskey. Um, the director was saying, Stephen Summers was saying that he worked with Rachel Weiss on this because when you have your 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 female protagonist being being drunk, it's a you you there's it's very easy to cross over into territory. Yeah, there were a so, lot of ways to do that scene wrong. So they workshopped that scene a lot and it comes across so good. I love she she has so much agency. Right. She's so proud of what she is in the movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. She I is, am a librarian. She is proud of what she is and more importantly the movie does not shame her for it. Right. She says I may not be able to shoot a gun right. or 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 do this or that, but I'm proud of what I am. And he <laughs> says and what is that? And she goes, "I I'm a librarian. <laughs> and she is not shamed for it. Right. Love to see Any it. other movie would have shamed the nerd for that moment, boy or girl. But, like, how embarrassing. And then she says, I am a librarian. And then immediately after sh- that, she says, and I am going to kiss you, kiss Mr. O'Connell. <laughs> I love her. Right, exactly. Like, there there were ways to do that scene wrong in in two pretty pretty stark ways. Like, it could have gone the way of it could have been creepy because she's super drunk and she's obviously attracted to him. So it could have been like, haha, I'm going to take advantage of this situation where this girl is drunk and, you know. And Rick doesn't. Right, he the doesn't. The only time he, he's, kiss, he's he kisses her is when he is about to be hanged. And he later says, I don't know, I was about to be hanged. I thought it was a pretty good idea. Right, and that, <laughs> see, the first time I watched the movie, I was, I was like, ugh, I don't like this because I never like when, like, you know, the male lead is sexually aggressive towards the female lead without her, like, specifically consenting to it. But I think the movie kind of saved it with that, like, that what Caleb just said. Um, 
and also with the fact that like it's not really presented as it was cool for him to do that it's more like the movie is just being like this guy is a fucking mess like and he doesn't know what he's he doing he was just looking for a good time right and it's later addressed yes. like it's not like it just happens and they never talk about it again she's specifically like yeah well it wasn't much of a kiss yeah. like yeah, I interrupted your thoughts oh yeah yeah anyway and the other way that it could have been not good is if it was if the movie was laughing at her like for for being being drunk and stuff and it is a little bit like it's like it's clearly supposed to be funny but in the way that we would laugh at any protagonist who who is like in over their head a little bit yeah and is getting super (laughs) drunk like it's in a it's in a sympathetic way but yeah like all that said like yeah i could talk about this a lot more but i do i do really like the way her character is handled especially since the 90s weren't like peak feminism for right for this, this movie is surprisingly feminist like, yeah her 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 sexuality is entirely within her hands um the the scene after or the, the scene when her brother is buying the camels and she shows up dressed like a, a, a almost like a belly dancer um the and we have that shot of just her face like her nose and mouth are covered so with the veil, so we just get that shot of her eyes, and it's so striking. That was that was Rachel <laughs> even Weiss. with the bad eyebrows. <laughs> that was Rachel Weiss's idea. She no, she said the uh, she noticed the way that the local belly dancers, in um, the, I think I believe these scenes were filmed in Marrakesh. The way the belly dancers like would do their eyeliner. Mm-hmm. She said she talked to the directors like I think I'd like to do my my eyes like that. Um, yeah, it looks. And really you know, good. I think we could explain that with the story, like blah blah blah. The local women, when I was getting dressed, blah blah, they decided to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know what, sure. And then we got that striking shot of her eyes. I wish I could I remember just, that I, shot. I, I don't. I think I missed that one. Uh, it's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it does look really good. Yeah, I can't. Caleb remembers it with like just, flowers I'm on the edges. Soft, soft jazz playing. Noxuna Moon when she like that first full body shot when she first enters in the prologue, and she is just wearing body paint. Literally, like there she is. There is no bikini. There's no nothing. She is just in body. How'd they get away with that? Because you can't clearly see the nipples, so it's PG thirteen. Um, and then there's. Evie's eyes. There, I there, there's some hot people in this movie. There's no denying. Evie that. doesn't get taken advantage of. She, she. No, you're right. I just, you're at right. Any, and she saves the day frequently by being a nerd. Like when they're being assaulted by <laughs> Be this army of people under the mummy's spell, and she has to translate this stone tablet. Yes, you're right. It's, I don't know. And and I, she's also kind of the one driving the plot because she's the one who's really trying to get this stuff done. Yeah. Like, uh, her. Like, her brother's kind of along for the ride. Rick is enlisted to help. Like, all that kind of stuff. Like, she's the one that really has the most clearly defined goal. So it kind of is her story. And I think the movie is it really is helped by that. This could have easily been just, like, a dick-swingy kind of movie. Um, and <laughs> that kind of prevents it from being that. <laughs> all that is just to say that was my first thing that I liked about <laughs> the movie. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. The second thing is just kind of vague. I'm a really big fan of like um, treasure hunting adventure movies in general. So pretty much if there's one that doesn't suck ass, I will <laughs> like it. Um, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I'm a big National Treasure fan. And, of course, I really like this movie. Uh, we should talk about those other two at some point on here because lots to say. Um, what? You know. 
I'm sure we could find a way to pair raiders oh, with please, treasure. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> make my day. That would be a you. Oh, mm, mm, yes, mm. That'd yes. be a good weekend movie watching. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, yeah, and, and this movie is kind of in that same vein. Uh, more Indiana Jones, of course, than National Treasure, but but the similarities are definitely there. And I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. Um, all the stuff about, like, riddle solving and, like... Uh, it's, they're not really seeking a treasure, but they kind of are. It, you know, it, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, they have to fight the ancient bad guys, but they also have to fight the modern bad guys. It just, it's it's fun. Um, it's a good it's a good recipe for a movie, and I I really like how this movie handles it. Um, God, a third thing. A, a third thing is. Uh, now, there's a, there's a lot of stuff I like. I'm just trying to think of, like, a specific thing. I thought of another one. Okay, C- Caleb, go for it. The continuity. The continuity in this movie is so good. If if you pay attention, the movie always keeps track of, like, okay, there's a key that opens the books and opens the sarcophagi. And the movie always keeps track of where it is. It doesn't just... There, there's never a point where a character just says, aha, I grabbed this earlier during the kerfuffle. No, it shows you from the moment that the Magi attack the riverboat that they're on, Jonathan runs into the fire and grabs the key. And from that point forward, Jonathan is constantly keeping track of where the key is. You always know who yeah. has it. You always know where it is. There is a bit in uh, where they, they make it to Hominoptera and they're camping out on their first night, and the Magi come and attack, and um, Brendan Fraser's character, what's his name? Rick. Rick O'Connell. Yeah. Rick O'Connell. Um, he, he lights a stick of dynamite, and then he pulls the fuse off it and sticks it in his pocket, and then an hour later, when they're fighting the mummies, he pulls out that stick of dynamite and lights it again and throws it at the mummies. This movie's continuity is solid. Rock solid. Oh, see, I couldn't even follow all that. I'm glad you noticed that. I'm uh, with movies like this that that MacGuffin so hard. I I do space out a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> but but I'm glad to know that it <laughs> that the continuity is good because otherwise it could get really confusing. Um, my third thing. Uh, gosh, without getting into too much detail, uh, I, I think the comedy is mostly pretty good. Now, I'm very picky when it comes to comedy, and I don't always like everything that gets thrown at the screen. I don't even like everything in this movie, but it does make me laugh pretty frequently. Um, Brendan Fraser, in particular, is just just funny. Like, he just exists funnily. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's like... It's like the way he reacts to everything is is just amusing, and I like the fact um, that he, you know, we talked about how you know he's doing a little bit of the like the charming badass hero thing, but I like that that's subverted a little bit mm-hmm. by him being a little bit like ridiculous at times and like not always on top of everything. Like, uh, <laughs> like Caleb and I were watching the director's commentary, the part where um, like the guy's about to stab. Uh, Evie, and of course he heroically comes in and like fights off all the mummies and everything and like he thinks he's done with it he's just like kind of posing like oh yeah it's cool I, I know I-, I killed him and then a mummy like grabs him and like trips him <laughs> and he just eats shit on the floor like <laughs> immediately just like and that's what I think is funny about the movie is like it it everyone in it is a little bit ridiculous yeah but in a way that is 
charming for the most part instead of annoying with some of the bad guys it's a little annoying because it's like if all your bad guys are ridiculous then it's hard to be too scared of them but i'm not really gonna hold that against it too much um i do think it's funny uh for things that i don't like um i agree i think it's a little too long there is a lot of just like running back and forth chasing various things that i don't think really needed to happen like it never feels boring i will say that like it never feels slow but there is a lot of stuff that just doesn't feel necessary and could have been cut down a little bit um uh, once again as we also talked about i don't love how the villain was handled um i think they should have either committed more to making him be like super evil or committed more to making him be like a tragic villain i feel like they kind of did it this weird like in the middle way that doesn't quite work for me um because the circumstances are are pretty tragic and pretty sympathetic but then the movie never like treats Mm -hmm. it that way it's like it always just is like there's this super evil guy and he gotta be defeated and um and then he never really he never really feels menacing either it's like all of the threat comes from like just the magic stuff he can do he himself does not feel and i think he should have especially as the titular character as and as like a you know a, a classic movie monster i feel like he should have had much more presence um, and I feel like the movie shows its hand too mm-hmm. early. It should have shrouded him in a little more mystery, a little more darkness. Um, not made the CGI quite so slapsticky horror. I don't. Yeah, it's very Army of Darkness in that you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's super scary <laughs> there. Like, uh, uh, honestly, the scariest <laughs> thing about the movie is the scarabs that get under your skin. Like that's fucking terrifying. But like, oh yeah, <laughs> but in a uh, different way. I do have to say, I do have to say when I was a kid, uh, the scene where they're in the helicopter being chased by the sand with his face on it was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, so conceptually, scary. yeah, it is kind of scary. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I do think that he could have been, he could have used some more menace, honestly, as the movie's villain. Well, okay, so that's like, yeah, the, those are some things we liked, we didn't like. Um, let's, let's see, let's see what kind of questions we have here. Um, okay, like, uh, you know, first one, just, uh, how does it compare to the old version? We talked about this a little bit. Um. This one definitely has a lot more action sequences. Yeah. (laughs) And that the original had none. Yeah, the original was very, God, I remember so little of it is the problem. In the original, the mummy was much more of a character. That's true. (laughs) He showed up and talked a lot. As far as villains go, he has very little presence in this movie. Right, which which to me is a problem. I feel like yeah. he should have had more. Like he should have either been more evil and mysterious, or he should have been more sympathetic. Like as it is, he's just kind of he feels very like one note, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I feel like if the whole the whole conceit of the movie is that it's based on an old Universal monster movie, I feel like the monster should have had a little more a little more presence. Yeah, um, yeah. Like in the original one, yeah. I. I all I really remember is he's this kind of a middle-aged man who is a little bit menacing. He's a little odd and mysterious who like shows up and actually talks to people before he's ever in his mummy form. So that's kind of interesting, sort of a Dracula type thing. Um and he's trying to do the resurrection thing. 
I don't even remember how he's defeated or anything like that. Uh, all I remember is that sequence was in, like, a tomb. An Egyptian tomb. <laughs> That's all I remember. Doesn't he do a similar thing where he, like, casts some kind of spell over the, the heroine? Like, Presumably. in Dracula? I, <laughs> see, I... The... Oh, you know what? That was another thing I wanted, I wanted to bring up when we were talking about Dracula. Yeah, what's Was that? the scene where she drinks his blood is muddied by the fact that we are never sure as an audience if she is making that decision on her own or if it's because of the influence of his spell on her. You're right. I... Hand-wavy explanation. I think he stopped influencing her with that hand-wavy magic bullshit um, when he actually, like, started falling in love with her. And that's why he, in that scene, he does give her the option. He says, uh, no, I can't do this to that's you, blah, blah, point. blah. And then she yeah, makes that choice. You're right. So that now, is once again, kind that of addressed. Once again, that I've been able to watch it with subtitles because there's a lot of dialogue that I missed that probably would have been important. Yeah. But I do think that is the best explanation. I, I think it's supposed to be that while she was under his spell at some point, eventually, yeah, once he, he started to fall in love with her, he wanted it to be her choice. You know, and, and, and she, in fairness, she kind of mm-hmm. did choose that. So it's like, <laughs> that's going to be an awkward conversation for her and Jonathan to have um, <laughs> later on. But, <laughs> but of course she does, she does choose to kill him at the end, though that is by his own request. They, they kind of mutually agree to not continue it, which is, is kind of nice as the ending. It's like, they, it's it plays into the the doomed love thing like they know they can't really be together uh, mm-hmm. they never could and and so they kind of mutually agree to end it uh I do think it could have been handled better but yeah I, and I think that fortunately that doesn't really happen to Evie in this one she doesn't get like put under a spell or anything I no. feel like that was a thing in the older one but I can't quite remember I think you're right. Um, which once again seems to play very much into this fear oh, of like you know those those foreigners putting a spell on our nice white women, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, spiriting oh, them away. White women smoking reefer and <laughs> having sex with Hispanic men. Oh my god, yeah. Well, the fear was probably there. It, Hell it's yeah. very palpable in the old ones. It's like we get it, white dudes. You're you're afraid of of whoever coming and taking your power You're afraid away. of men who have sensuality and power. Yeah, and <laughs> instead of charisma. just st- standing there being a piece of wood and being yeah, like... Le- leaning against a, yeah. a, a bar with your cowboy hat on. <laughs> Delightful. Um, okay, so uh, Justin, have you seen the older version of The Mummy? No, no, that uh, that's what I was saying earlier. That's like oh, right, the big right. gap in my that. universal so we, monster knowledge. Maybe we should have rewatched it before doing this because neither of us can remember very much. Um, well, that's fine. I, I would dare to say this one is probably more enjoyable. <laughs> uh, pretty different overall, <laughs> despite some similar plot beats. Um, okay. Uh, also, please. quick tangent. Uh, a super quick tangent. Uh, we've gotten uh, reboots and remakes of just about every monster movie, except Creature of the Black Lagoon. Hollywood, stop being cowards. Give me my fish man. I'm going to have to agree with Caleb here. Uh, now, it's not a remake, but... No, but Shape of Water is... Guillermo del Toro is a big fan of Shape of Water. But uh, of he, Creature he, from the Black Creature Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon. And he, but Shape of Water is literally Creature from the Black Lagoon. But what if... 
the creature found love. No, <laughs> I like that. I think that's good. It... Also, so, like, side note, I love no, Shape that... of Water. Yeah, we should talk about that on here at some point. That's that's very true, but I mean, like, I want the yeah, swamp setting. Like, like, we got a remake of The Mummy with Tom Cruise, and it was shite. Well, no, I, okay, you know what, I, I would be down to do a remake, but the thing is, you have to do something with it. And having now seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, I'm trying to figure out what you could do with it that wouldn't be just remaking it or making it essentially Shape of Water, but in a swamp. I don't know. Do something crazy. Give it to a oh give it to God. Ari Aster. Make something weird. You know what? Hell yeah. I, <laughs> I agree. Let's fucking do it. No, I, I like I would actually like to do more reimaginings of this these these monster movies specifically in a way that gives more agency to the female characters. Um because so many of them are about uh upstanding white men have to save nice white girl from herself. Uh, and and from a, a monster, uh, essentially. Which we have to stand shape of water for. Right, it's right, about exactly. Nice white girl who falls in love with a monster, and then white man tries to save her from said monster. Actually, he doesn't try to save her. No, he's just a terrible person. No, he's just but... a terrible person. And mm-hmm. then guess what? He dies, and she ends up with the monster. Right, like that. To and me they both become is... water gods and get to have sex forever. <laughs> and we love that. For yeah, them. exactly. That to me is the natural progression <laughs> of this type of story, or the natural endpoint of this type of story. It's a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> well, it is. It's it's returning agency to the the damseled female characters, and not only that, but re- uh, giving humanity to the monster. Um, it, because that agency and that humanity is the, are things that weren't as present, so that seems to me to be the natural endpoint is to to truly see the humanity in those characters. Yeah, see, the mummy in this could get that, but he just he just doesn't. He doesn't. The mummy doesn't get. Emotep doesn't get given any humanity. He's, he's just, very he's much there monster. to be the the he's bad a guy. single-minded monster. Right. Yeah. Um. Which. Oh. Okay. I am remembering a single point that I wanted to make. <laughs> Go so, for it. so, part of the mummy's curse is that whoever opens the box that contains his organs, as it were, um, will all be consumed by the curse. And so the mummy does, he hunts down each of the five men that opened the box and absorbs them to like actually give himself a body and not just be a rotting corpse. And from each one of them, he takes something, whether it's muscle mass or their tongue, etc. That's what I'm getting at. The first man that he encounters is none other than Pistol Pete DeCilio from (laughs) Parks and Rec. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Who wears glasses. There's a whole scene where he's pulling a Velma and like his glasses are on the floor and he can't see anything and Benny steps on them because he's a dick and Mm -hmm. so the mummy takes the eyes of the man who can't see and then immediately after that scene confuses Rachel Wise for Moon. Because he can't fucking see. Because they took the guy's so eyes. So that's my theory, him. is that because he took the ah. eyes of the man who can't see, he sees Evie and is like, oh, it's you. That's uh, just a... 
That's just a theory. Oh, smart. I've never uh, thought fan about that. theory. Uh, I do want to say... You do want to say... <laughs> When I when I rewatched this movie, uh, when I rewatched this movie, it was with my girlfriend, and every time uh, uh, it cut to <laughs> Pistol Pete's point of view in that scene, we were singing. <laughs> Get off your feet up. I felt so bad for him in this movie. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he really drew the short end of the stick. Like, he did. him losing his eyes was, like, kind of supposed to be, like, funny almost. And, mm. like, his glasses get stepped on. And then, I like, know. when Evie finds him, like, he turns around. He has no eyes. And instead of trying to help him, she just screams and, like, runs mm. away. And it, I just feel so bad. And I then, feel bad for him, too. When I then know. That, that whole scene where, like, they give him tea and he spills it. I and know. Benny is like, it's just pitiful. And Penny is like, we thank you for your time and your eyes <laughs> and your tongue, <laughs> but we require more. Benny was just way too into oh, yeah. that. It was um, so weird. I have to ask, which one of you recognized that he was Pistol Pete? Not me. Not me. Uh... Uh, it, it was one of those things where uh, I looked over at her and I was like, is that? And she was like, yeah. Every time I did that with Stephanie, I go, is that? Stephanie's like, probably not. Uh, well, I, okay. I don't. She doesn't have faith in me. <laughs> we, can, we can move on from there. Um, do we have any more discussion questions or can we move on to notes? No. Uh, uh, hold on. Just... Just real quick uh, about that same thing, I will say, uh, and our audience will probably never hear from her because it's not her bag, but uh, uh, Heather is the queen of, like, oh, that's who that is. Like, instantly. That's Caleb. Anytime she sees that's anyone, Caleb. doesn't matter how small of a role they had in something, she knows. Uh, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Caleb's always doing that. Um, I think we can move on to notes. Uh, there, There isn't quite as much to draw on in this movie in terms of, of theme. Like in Dracula, mm. this one's just kind of like I don't know. We're all here for a good time, yeah. like. But the, I mean, that's fine. Um, with the uh, exposition, with the prologue, um, this movie introduces some melodrama that the original was sorely missing. Yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> I buy the romance in this movie a lot more than most movies especially considering the relationship dynamic yes like uh, between a character of rick o'connell's yeah. type and evie's type usually it's like annoying uh, it's like ghostbusters where it's like he's just negging her and then eventually like they end up going on a date together i'm not sure exactly what it is but i just i i i buy their chemistry so much more than than many many other movies Yes, it's like they do have a little bit of like a slightly antagonistic dynamic, but not in a way that it feels like really negative. It's more just kind of like they have very different MOs. And so it's more like you could just as easily see it being a platonic thing with like two dudes like having slightly different ways they want to go about it. Like one wants to uh, go in guns blazing and the other one wants to do things academically, that kind of thing. Like, so it. It doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't feel like anyone's, mm-hmm. like, disrespectful toward anyone else. It's more just kind of like a, they're very different people, but they have similar points of appreciation, you know, yeah. as she, she finds. Yeah. Um, I think the reverse mirage reveal of the city is super cool. Like, um, they have to wait until sunset, and then yeah. the city appears, and it's real. 
as opposed to like being just you know a mirage it's 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 it, the mirage is what reveals the reality of it and i think that's just a super cool concept for um for a reveal um, um <laughs> a note i had was lots of goofy asshole characters meeting disproportionately <laughs> macabre ends yeah <laughs> <laughs> like the americans are kind of dicks but woof. no it's every character that dies it's like there's pretty much no characters that have a genuinely tragic death or anything like that it's all pretty right. much like a horrible thing happens to this person but also isn't it kind of funny like it's just it's weird yep. <laughs> so many of them oh that's funny they yeah, took yeah, his like, skin uh, off uh, <laughs> mm. um in in the lobby of a hotel in cairo they meet um, they meet a man who is a British pilot during World War One. They call it the Great War because World War Two hasn't happened yet. Um, and they end up requiring his services, and he 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 dies in service like he wished he had with all his friends. Um, and my wow. note was, why is this man so old? The Great War was only ten years ago. <laughs> well, maybe if he was like a general or something. But he flew. He said all of I his buddies know. died flying yeah, in the Great that's, War. That's a good point. I this man is ancient. I, I... <laughs> How did they let this old ass man up there to fly a plane around? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, the only other note. Right, what a way to go, though. The, the only other note that I haven't um, <laughs> referenced at all previously was the. <laughs> Okay, when when Imhotep is trying to bring back Anxunamun, um, and all of the mummy priests wake up, and Rick O'Connell has to fight all of them, at one point during that fight, he kicks a guy so hard in the crotch that he splits in half. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And at another point, uh, a, dude, so a mummy's good. head falls off, and he so baseball good. bat swings at that thing with his sword, and the mummy's head flies towards the screen. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's what I was saying earlier about like I love, I love the uh, uh, the yes, skeleton yeah. fight jokes <laughs> uh, in the climactic fight. Stephanie, did you have any notes? Uh, I had a few, uh, just random shit I wrote down. Uh, one of them is. This Jonathan is somehow less useless than Dracula's Jonathan. Um, actually, now that I think about it, he's a lot less useless because he's kind of a doof, but, like, he does stuff. I love him. He keeps yeah, track of the key. Um, yes. I, I love the scene where, like, Ardeth Bay and Rick O'Connell are, like, digging out. They're, they're, like, moving rocks, like, throwing rocks and unburying a tomb. And he's just kind of standing in the back, like, all right, good job, gents. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> You've got this. Exactly. <laughs> right, he's another character that very easily could have been the, meh, I'm a prim Englishman he, and he I don't so like annoying. this. Right, but instead he's just kind of funny and, and sympathetic, so you like him. Uh, related, I wrote, who is the comic relief? Trick question. It's uh, everyone. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's everyone. Like, there are characters who aren't really funny, but there aren't really characters that are specifically right. comic like, relief. Is it like, the dumb Americans? Yeah. Is it the dumb British guy? Right. Is it the big fat guy? Joke's on you. It's everybody. <laughs> yes. It, it's very much like everyone is kind of ridiculous and everyone's kind of funny, which I, I like. Um it, it doesn't just pick one person and put everything on them. It kind of balances it out. Um, <laughs> most of these we touched on. Uh, I, I did write, who is sexier, Rick or Ardeth Bay? 
Um, that's also a trick question. <laughs> the answer is uh, um, I can't choose. <laughs> uh, or, uh, according to Stephen Summers, originally the Magi were going to be covered head to toe in tattoos, but then he cast the actor who played Ardeth Bay and realized he couldn't cover up that beauty from the world. <laughs> Beautiful man. <laughs> no, the, yeah. Good the, call. Good the, call. I just remember there was just like one shot of him with like the sun behind him. He's like holding a giant gun and his hair is like blowing in the wind. And I was like, hey, what? Like, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, anyways, yeah. Um, everyone's very attractive in this movie. Uh, it, yes. The only problem, once again, is what they did to poor Rachel Weiss's eyebrows. And, and Rachel Weiss has great eyebrows. Like, you see her in any other movie, she has these beautiful, like, dark, thick eyebrows. In this movie, they were like, "We're gonna take care of that." And like, just tiny little lines. It's it's awful, but she still looks gorgeous, so it doesn't even matter. Um, most of my other notes we've pretty much touched on. I did put why are the Americans here, but <laughs> I guess we've established that there's a lot of kind of extraneous characters just running around. Yeah. Um, they're just kind of there. You really had to. Uh... You had to have characters that felt like they were at least B-tier characters for Emotep to kill to make him feel threatening, so that's yes, why they're there. They're cannon that, fodder. That is a good point. It, it, it does feel to me like the movie has too many characters. Um, like, it has a little too much going on, but, but it's fine. They get picked off anyway, so it's whatever. Um, it doesn't hurt it too much. Okay, um, well... Uh, do we have any final thoughts on the mummy before we move to our closing discussion? I, watching it this time, I think I finally gave it its due. Was was this watch through that? Yes. I, I like it. I enjoy it. It's a good, fun, solid action movie. Like, is it the peak of art? No, but it's exactly what I need it to be. You know, it's good. The plot is consistent. There are no major plot holes. The continuity is solid. The The script is great. The comedy is good. I, it's just a good, solid it's one of really those, like, watch. when yeah. you see it on TV, you sit down and watch the rest of it movies, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, my, my criticisms mm-hmm. are pretty minor. They, they definitely don't affect my enjoyment of the movie. Like, in some ways, like... Uh, much more so than Dracula because like while I also really love Dracula there are so many things in it that I'm like ah, I would do this differently um but but this one I, I don't know it's it's pretty solid uh like surprisingly so yeah yeah no I think it I think one thing about it is that it has aged very well um by which I mean it has there aren't many parts of it besides the weird CGI at times that have aged poorly um, I think it definitely holds up. Like the comedy is mm-hmm. still funny, um, you know. The, because it usually goes with t- fairly timeless comedy, right? The acting, uh, yeah, the acting is is good for what it is. The um, the nothing feels really dated or retrograde about it. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Um, yeah. Any anything else before we move on? Um. So- so this this movie um is this a groundbreaking piece of cinema no uh is this something that is a touchstone of pop culture where if you watch it you're gonna get a lot of references to it and other things no is this a movie that i can guarantee you will have a fun time watching 
Yes, uh, it is. It is, and I can't believe it wasn't already on there. If you followed me on Letterboxd, blame it on Butler. Uh, this is officially making it onto the <laughs> Justin's Comfy yeah, Pants uh, film movie. list. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, um, so let's move on to our uh, third third segment overall, which will be our discussion of kind of both these movies together. Uh, based on our our points of comparison that we were talking about, and I do I do have some some questions here since we're trying out this format. Um, so of course when I ask these, these will be related to both of the movies at hand, uh, but we'll kind of be comparing and contrasting a little bit. So um, first question, uh, this is going to sound a little bit like school, so just <laughs> get used That's to fine. it. That's fine. Like is writing a former an English teacher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully just former. Hopefully I never have to do that shit again. Whew, am I right? Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, so both of these <laughs> movies contain horror elements but fall into very different subgenres. Mm. How would you define these genres and how well is the horror incorporated? Since we are kind of talking about these for October 2 uh, spooky book. Yeah. <laughs> um let's talk let's talk about the horror in these movies. So based on, you know, like I said we just watched the director's commentary for The Mummy. They were very conscious of the horror scenes and wanted to make them feel horror. Mm-hmm. You know, they could only go so far because they knew it was a PG-13. Like, when there's a guy missing his eyeballs, they couldn't make it bloody, you know. Um, but they still wanted the scene to hold its weight, like, to the point of cutting jokes to hold the horror, the, the horrific tension. Um, honestly, I almost feel like... The Mummy has a firmer grasp of its horror elements than Dracula does. Because Dracula does a lot of horror-esque stuff, but it doesn't seem to have the intentionality that The Mummy does. Whereas, like, The Mummy is like, we're going to have this scene, and we want to have this scene specifically to show this particular horrifying aspect of of, of, of our antagonist. Whereas Dracula is just kind of like, well, at this point in the story, we're supposed to have some weird Dracula stuff happen, so it's gonna happen, you know. Um. Yeah. Justin, you go first. Um. Uh, for me, uh, I I don't disagree with you. Um, it, it's just like uh, the horror in each is um elevated by the uh package that surrounds it um so when the mummy takes itself seriously it does feel more drawing and that way uh a little more uh, horrific in context obviously the stuff that we see in dracula is more gruesome more terrifying um but it's done in such a uh like caleb mentioned the the scene on the on the ship it's done in such like a cornball kind of gratuitous way that it it's less scary and more just like okay i guess this is happening um so i i agree um that the the intention of the uh, of the filmmaker uh, is very important here and the mummy was its moments were very 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 uh uh What's the word I'm looking for? Not planned. I, I guess I'm just going to say intentional again. We're very, very intentional. And in Dracula, uh, it was just like, it's Dracula. He's scary. He's a werewolf vampire, man. I guess we better show some of that yeah. to extend our runtime even further. See, <laughs> Sorry. I, 
I agree with what you guys are. I agree with the specifics of what you're saying, but I'm actually going to disagree a little bit with the overall take. Um, I do not think the mummy is scary at all. Like I, I, to the point where I don't even think of it as any more horror than like Indiana Jones. I think that there, the horror elements are there. I mean, you know, all the stuff with like mummies popping out and like the fucking scarabs and like sucking people's souls out and everything. But the way it's executed just, to me, does not really feel like horror so much. It feels like action with some supernatural elements. Um, like, I never feel really unsettled when I'm watching it, except for maybe with the Scarab stuff. But even that is just not very graphic. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> There's a CGI bulge on that dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, now... No. I will say that scares me the most out of anything oh, in this movie. Not that, like, it was actually, like, scary, scary. But if I had to think about it, I was like, if I had to have one thing happen to me uh, that happens to someone in one of these movies, I yeah, for though. sure know that that would not well, be the one that I'd pick. So I'm going to return to something that we talked about a, a little a little bit ago, and that is presence. I do not think any of the scary elements or horror elements in The Mummy have enough presence to qualify as as horror to me. Now, I know I called them horror elements, and I, I stand by that. I think that they are. But when it comes to the actual utilization of horror, I feel like Dracula is better simply because there is a presence to it. Uh, mm -hmm. There is that very strong, mm -hmm. dark, gothic everything is kind of a skew and unsettling tone. Yeah. Now, of course, that the movie is trying to do that. The mummy is not trying to be really scary or really unsettling. But as horror films, yeah. I think just the overall dark tone uh, and kind of some of the like weird camera choices and, and imagery in, in Dracula is more effective for being horror. Um, no, I don't think either of them are like scary, <laughs> but no. But as a horror film, I would say Dracula is more effective. Um, that being said, I did appreciate what they said in the director's commentary about trying to balance the horror with the comedy, because I think a lot of these types of movies struggle with that. Um, it. I do think that the comedy undercuts the horror but i don't know that that is unintentional i think it is trying to keep a fairly light tone you know mm -hmm. um but uh it you know i i think it is it's about as scary as ash versus the evil dead yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> no i uh, i i definitely i definitely don't um disagree with you uh if i had to like give these movies genres um dracula is a horror romance and the mummy is a action comedy with a slight um, sprinkling it is horror. not by genre a horror movie yeah yeah my point was like the scenes that are quote unquote trying to be scary um like outside of mood and everything because there's there's scenes in dracula um like when Jonathan's working at the desk and his shadow is creeping over him in a way that uh, Gary Oldman's body right. isn't moving like that in itself is very scary. Um, but the moments when it's like trying to go yeah. balls to the wall horror, yeah. I feel like the scenes in the mummy uh, 
it hit the nail on the head a little better than the scenes in Dracula because it it, it feels in yeah. place with the film uh, in Dracula. It just seems Dracula's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Just shit at the wall and hope that it sticks. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Uh, any yeah. last ones about that before we move on? I did have a thought while we were talking about that. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I think, one of the funniest gags in the movie when the mummy is approaching Benny and he's wearing an entire chest full of symbols of various religions <laughs> and he starts praying in numerous religions hoping one hoping, sticks yeah, yeah hoping that one of them sticks until he pulls up the star of david and starts praying in hebrew and it stops the mummy which i'm not going to get into that or its implications but i just think that gag in general is pretty funny especially for the character who is like cast as the eternal coward the perpetual coward he's very much the kind of guy who will align yeah. himself with anything if it if it serves his own purposes yeah. um, whatever yeah. keeps him from getting killed i mean I that's feel all that, that matters I feel that. he's your star scream what's that what's that community line about the dean right. being on everyone's not, side and, and it not just working keep conspiring I can... with everyone it's not a real conspiracy <laughs> yeah it's not a conspiracy you're just you're just Yo. You're just doing random crap. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, all right. Let's see. Hmm. This one's a little more broad. Um, we'll see what we make of it. Um, you don't see many movies like these nowadays. I'm talking about both of these movies. Uh, why do you think that is? What are the closest comparisons you can think of from the last few decades or so? Um, so basically... Think of these these type of movies. Uh, think of, I guess I'm talking about like movies from the past twenty years. Let's say since since these movies came out, uh, like do do you see similar types mm-hmm. of movies now? Uh, what do you think those similarities are? Uh, why do you think we might be seeing fewer of these type of movies? I don't know. It's very open ended. What do you guys make of it? Um. I, I guess I'll 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 take it first. Um, as far as the mummy goes, uh, we we've gotten movies like League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Van Helsing, the Underworld series, things that like did the oh we're taking these classic monsters, making them uh, Underworld not so much a comedy, but we're like we're cheesing it up, we're making it modern, like, and a lot of those films uh became bombs and lost studios a lot of money. Um. And so it, uh, Hollywood started moving towards safer blockbusters. Again, I love you, MCU, but uh, I kind of blame you for our current state of uh, uh, summer movies. Um, so that's why we don't get anything like The Mummy anymore. Uh, as far as Dracula, I can't think of anything that's um, uh, off the top of my head that's going for the same thing Dracula was. But I, I just think there's a shift in what audiences wanted from the horror movie. Horror and comedy, like, it, it triggers uh, very similar instincts in our brain. So, like, uh, they both evolve a lot over time. And now people um, right now want more, uh, seemingly, I can't speak for everybody, uh, they want their horror to be very um, cerebral. That's why The Witch did fairly well that's why hereditary and midsummer did great that's why jordan pill uh, jordan peele's film jordan peele's, jordan peele's films, films. <laughs> are doing uh fantastic <laughs> uh so it's just uh i i'm sure i'm sure uh at some point in this decade we'll get a, a resurgence of like 
the classic horror movie with modern aesthetics, but we just we haven't hit it yet. We're we're still in the evolutionary period of this era mm. of horror. Uh, yeah, I I don't have a whole lot to add on to that because I think you pr- you pretty much explained it. Um, the Mummy feels in some ways like a proto Marvel movie in that it is uh, a an epic mm-hmm. action comedy kind of deal. I you know obviously there's a lot of differences there, but it you can kind of feel the spiritual similarities. Um, I I don't know. It's not that I don't think a movie like this would be made now. It's more that like, well, there is such a limited type of mainstream movie that is being made now. Like the, the boxes are very small at this point. Um, which is honestly, I think the problem for both of these like, uh, for one thing, it feels like genre has gotten pigeonholed a lot more. Or, well, it always kind of has been, but it feels like movies are, uh, movie studios are very much trying to pinpoint certain audiences. Uh, and, and they're kind of dividing things up very much so that uh, genre bending isn't happening a whole lot. Um, you know, the like a movie like Dracula... I do not think would be made now because of the, yeah, kind of what you said. I I don't think the combination of elements would be made currently. Like, I think a horror movie Mm -hmm. would be made, maybe a romantic movie. I don't think a horror romance would be made. Um, I, Caleb. I was just saying, I doubt that. I feel like the only reason Bram Stoker's Dracula got made to begin with was because Coppola. was because Coppola had his own production studio at the yeah. time. This was before American Zoetrope went bankrupt. Um, yeah. This was the production studio that he owned with George Lucas. So the, the, before they went bankrupt, there were a couple years where they just kind of did whatever they wanted. It you know? feels very much like an auteur film, which is what it is. Um, and not that auteur films don't get made now. Uh, they do, but of course, it's very much up Less, to the people uh, who are making them. Right, like, example, MCU movies. They've hired multiple auteur directors and then had to tone them down. You know, Edgar yeah. Wright was hired to direct Ant-Man, but he couldn't do his own thing, so he left. And then, you know, I, Taika Waititi is like the exception with with Thor yeah. Ragnarok. I, I know. that. Um yeah, it seems like everything is either getting sucked into the blockbuster formula or kind of has to exist on the the fringes and just kind of hope that it becomes successful. Um, uh, yeah. Now, what's interesting, though, is that so many movies now are being made based on existing IP, and both of these movies are based on existing IP, which is part of the reason we're doing them together. Yeah. So I don't feel like that version of it would be impossible. I feel like... You know that obviously they did try to do that whole dark universe thing with the monster movies, but they Whoa. didn't do it very well, so that didn't really happen. Um, but Ugh. yeah, I don't know. I I would like to see more movies like both of these. Uh, honestly, in particular, I would like to see more movies like Dracula because it just feels like it is making strong choices, and that's something I don't get from a lot of a lot of big movies now. Yeah, is strong choices. Strong, yeah, like it. It, now, do I think all of the choices are yeah. good? No. But the fact that it really commits to kind of taking the source material and doing something a little different with it and and making some some uh, heavy changes 
to the original. I feel like if we are going to keep doing this thing where we have to keep constantly returning to the well of established IP, then the best possible thing would be to make strong choices with it and to do some some weird, wacky stuff with it, you know? Like, uh, uh, and, you know, just, like, yeah, like, be bold with it and throw shit at the wall and just don't try to catch all your audiences in the same bucket and don't try to just please everyone like, be willing to offend some people who liked the original, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I would just like to see more of that. Um, any thoughts on that one before we move to some of our last stuff? I think that's pretty good. No, that was... Okay. Yeah. Always a good, always a good <laughs> wrap-up okay, with a Stephanie whatever. monologue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, so, uh, unless we have any final thoughts about these movies together... Um, we can go ahead or do, go ahead and do our fun question for Let's the do end. It. All right, um, let me go ahead and get my notes. Okay, so um, you are given an opportunity to resurrect a classic movie monster for a new film. Which one do you choose, and what kind of movie would it be? Now we talked about this a little bit with Creature from the Black Lagoon, but I want to make it clear before we start talking about this: this can be any of them, even if they already have. A, plenty of existing iterations it can even be one of the ones we've already talked about uh basically you just have to choose one and you have to say what kind of direction you would take with it basically well if we're pitching uh my first instinct is to say some sort of comedy with frankenstein don't know why Maybe would some he sort be of... young no <laughs> <laughs> hey. Maybe some sort of Weekend at Bernie's type deal. I don't know. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. No, that actually sounds kind of funny. What? Give, give me a little more on that. Ah. Uh, like, as in, no. like. Okay, no, no. So, you're like, so, um, I'm, I'm, like, maybe Frankenstein has to take Frankenstein's monster to, like, uh, meet his parents or something. But he has to, like, make it, he has to be cool. Like, it's just a friend of his. He's kind of weird and tall. Um. And hijinks ensue. How about Frankenstein's monster is a camp counselor? Oh my god! So it's like Holy wet, shit. hot American summer, but Paul Perret, Paul Rudd's character is just a do a really tall dude who goes. Argh! Oh my god! No, no, there has to be a point of conflict, like what makes it difficult for him to be the camp counselor. Because so far he sounds like just a regular camp counselor. Um. The my other thought. What? Oh God! The yeah, uh, the gags you could get. He's like he's like teaching he a swim sinks. class. One of his bolts pop <laughs> off. He's slowly filling with water, but how trying about, to swim up. Frankenstein <laughs> versus Jason Voorhees. Friday the Thirteenth. Frankenstein edition. It's literally like Jason Voorhees chops off an arm. And he just reaches down and pops, pops it back, it back on. on. See exactly. <laughs> he's unbeautiful. Um, no, he slaps him with <laughs> he it first. With his own my, arm. my only other thought is like Dracula, but creepier <laughs> go on i i don't know make it more like nosferatu a bit more german expressionist do Ooh. more with the shadow like you know they do some really cool stuff with the shadows and bram stoker's dracula but yeah. then like kind of lose that as the film goes on yeah just make it eerie or make it creepier make it more unsettling you know i'm down for that i'm always like, down for that less over the top but like more unsettling more subtle like take the, some subtle. of the subtlety of the the old dracula yes um just update it a little bit yes um i'm about that uh so for me um uh 
I'm sticking with my original idea. Another creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, set it in a Louisiana swamp. Ooh. Add more like occult elements. Make it very, very slow and creepy, and yeah. like, okay, I like just that. full of dread. Uh, where you might not uh-huh. even see the creature uh, until like a shot at the end or something. Um, or I want to do a balls to the wall commit fully oh, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Please. I mean, Joe Schumacher <laughs> tried to do that, but we can we can improve on that formula a little bit. We will learn from past mistakes. Um, that's true. I didn't even think about Phantom of the Opera because he usually doesn't enter my thoughts when it comes to classic movie monsters. No, nope, because he made in, the box set with the Andrew Lloyd Webber ones. He he doesn't even seem like the same kind of character, even though he kind of is. He's very much sort of like the Dracula kind of character in a way. Um, um actually, uh, just uh, just fun fact: uh, I have a list of the uh, Universal monster films pulled up here because uh, oh, yeah? I like to be informed when I answer these questions. And Phantom of the Opera was actually the first of the oh, Universal well, monster movies yeah, released in 1925. Then very shortly after that, had a remake. I think within like ten years. <laughs> If you there was a silent version and then there was uh, the I believe film. you're right yes but Justin if you were gonna do Phantom of the Opera like what what like what direction would you take it would you try to do it like more like the book or more like an updated version of the musical like what do you <laughs> uh it, it, it would oh, be it would be more based on the book <laughs> um but 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 because but because I'm me. Uh, there'd be uh, the the soundtrack for the movie would be so meticulously thought out um, that actually it would be like a film uh, and then we would also like release the soundtrack by itself and it's like okay you're supposed to read the soundtrack uh, and read the or listen to the soundtrack like and read that. the novel. Play them at the same time. It lines <laughs> up. Whole... No, I like that. It's kind of like synthesizing three different forms of media. Like the the written word, the the cinematic, yeah. and you know music. So I don't know. That's kind of a cool idea. I, I kind of dig that. But I'm too lazy to make that happen. <laughs> so let's just go with my creature. No, I'm totally <laughs> down with that. I'm getting. I'm feeling like big like Sly Cooper vibes, like from the the Louisiana levels with a big oh voodoo God. energy. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Two different I'm tones in mind, but cartoony, I love where your head's but, at. <laughs> you know, the villain was a giant alligator. I'm just well, saying. hey, there's like, I don't know if you've seen that movie Skeleton Key. It's like a, kind of a low-budget-ish horror movie from the 2000s. But uh, not the best movie, but good on the, the creepy Louisiana kind of voodoo swampy vibes. Um, I, I do like that aspect of the movie. Uh, especially since that's probably the closest frame of reference for horror that I have like regionally because Louisiana is just a couple states away and it's like that very uniquely kind of Southern American form of horror. Uh, just, uh, we need more Southern Gothic films yeah. in general. Um, I, I'm very about that. I like that idea. Of course, mine is, mine would be going in a slightly different direction. Um, I would do a Brides of Dracula movie. Ooh. It would basically be like, uh, widows of Dracula, more or less. So it would be after Dracula's death, yeah. and the the three brides who, in this version, would have established personalities and hierarchies <laughs> and everything. Established um, personalities beyond horny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they are kind of <laughs> left in the castle, and maybe each of them has a slightly different relationship to being a vampire or to humanity. 
uh, like maybe one of them is uh, has only recently been turned and is st- still struggling with being a vampire. Uh, maybe one of them's in love with a human. Maybe one of them's like actually evil and like it. They kind of exists on this the spectrum of morality, and it would like focus on the relationships and eventually conflict between them. And of course, it would be like. Um, an erotic thriller type thing because there would be like you know uh, there would maybe there would be a vampire hunter or something there's like a, a little enemies to lovers romance there maybe in one of, maybe one of them turns a human and then they have to deal with that I don't know just like <laughs> I would um, <laughs> yeah I would make it I think erotic thriller is probably the closest in my mind um, so it would be like sexy but it would also be uh it would also have great uh dialogue and interpersonal relationships <laughs> i'm in yeah and, what's your uh, investor floor yeah <laughs> uh i'm i'm with you but what if it was like mean girls and the new bride <laughs> okay, would have actually, a hard time that acclimating that with the I other brides and thrones yeah like <laughs> but like vampires so it's like maybe um maybe dracula's still alive in this instance and like uh maybe mina actually does get turned and so she's like the our katie heron character and like sounds like a scary movie (laughs) spinoff no no it would be really great I, I'm like I, I'm ninety percent sure this is a Disney Channel original okay. movie. So yes, and, and she has to like adjust to being a vampire, and it's like the cool vampires sit it's over like here, the Laywood sit over there. New girl in the coven. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, it would be a cross between Mean Girls and the Crap, which we already did technically. So there you go. It would be like that. Um, and uh, maybe she has to take him down. Maybe they actually become friends in the end. Uh, maybe they all team up and kill Dracula. Who's to say? Like, um, <laughs> I think basically what I'm saying is I think the brides are uh, a great character opportunity um, because they're in that kind of fascinating situation where they're like subservient to Dracula. Uh, but what if you take that away? Um, then like, what do they do? I don't know. So I would I would go that route. Plus, it would be great for having actual uh, female monsters, which is not yeah. much of a thing in these older movies. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Whew. Uh, whew. We have been at this a little while, gentlemen. I think it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I, I like doing things in this format. Yeah. We might try to do this some more in the future. I think we definitely probably will for at least the next two episodes. Our next episode, just for a little preview, is going to be on Ghostbusters and the Frighteners, and we all have thoughts <laughs> <laughs> of varying kinds. Not as many as Dracula, but... yeah. Different type of thoughts, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he has lots of thoughts. Uh, That's funny, Caleb. I didn't think of that until now. Thank you. Um, All right, any any (laughs) any last words? Pumpernickel. Uh huh. That's nice. Defer news. Thank you, Caleb. All right. So where can we (laughs) where can we find us on social media, guys? All right. Uh. My name's Justin. You can find me on all social media at Blame It On Butler. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. Yeah, please give us a follow, guys. Uh, we, we constantly pump out great content. Not really, but we will. We will work on it. <laughs> My name is... Give us a reason to. Yes, We're waiting. Right, exactly. Right. Like, comment, retweet. My name is Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. 
My name's Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob, possibly to be changed to Dracula's Left Nipple. <laughs> All right, guys. And we'll with catch that, you next week. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.